Welcome to the New Books Network. Welcome to the MBN Entrepreneurship and Leadership Channel. As well as new content, we are making available selected podcasts recorded by our hosts prior to joining the MBN family. This is one of them, and so this podcast may refer to itself with a different name and identity. Enjoy the show. The centre of innovation is here, and you know this is part of the message of Project Cashmere of this whole podcast that there's something happening here which is beyond just good value for money. Like I said, having the vision is great, but the key is these concrete initiatives that drive it at the ground level. I think Paulo those people who are really they do extremely well with very limited resources, and we can take advantage of the really low costs here. You know, Poland is the land of opportunity, and I, and I like to say the East is the new West because you always used to go West in history to find more adventure and danger and prove yourself. There are some good things beginning to happen here in Krakow, but we've got a very long way to go. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, good night, Project Kazimierz listeners and Facebook Live audience. We have on the show today a very special guest, Michael Slivinski, uh, the CEO and founder of Nosby. Um, rather than me trying to introduce you, Michael, as I would based on reading lots of content about you, could you do that for our audience? And while I'm while you're doing that, I'll be sharing this across different social media platforms. Uh, but bear in mind that some of our listeners might be in countries as far flung as Vietnam or or South Africa, and therefore don't have any point of reference. So just uh, as you would if you met someone in a bar and they ask that question, uh, so who are you and what do you do? Yeah, so I'm Michael, uh, and uh, I'm a founder of or, or a creator of uh, To Do App for Teams, to make it very short. Um, so Nosby, Nosby is, is my product, and Nosby is something that I built for myself to get organized uh, way back when, so almost 13 years ago. And now um, it's been used by more than half a million users all over the world. Uh, we have customers from from like from literally every country uh, on the planet. So, and the cool thing is that you know I built something for myself, uh, and apparently there are many more Michaels like me who want to work the same way. Um, and this is uh, how Nasbi has become successful. And apart from that, I well I run the company, so uh, I've built the team. It was a one man shop when it started, but now we have twenty five people. Uh, uh, all working remotely. We all work from our homes. This is my home office. There is nobody else from our team here, and um, and uh, we've been doing this, you know, since the ever since the beginning. And uh, and this is how we roll. And now uh, we're working on the next version of our of our app. Uh, and uh, yeah. And after 13 years of uh, almost 13 years of doing it, uh, I'm not bored. I feel like there's so much more to do there, and uh, I'm excited about the future. And I feel like I'm just getting started. Okay, before I uh, go to a bit of your background and your your prior life before you started the organization, could you explain what Nosby does and maybe give a brief point of reference compared to other what you might call uh, project productivity tools or project management tools like, I don't know, Basecamp or uh, there are so many of them. Obviously, you're doing something right because you've got users and customers, but what, what's Nosby for and how is it different from the competition? So uh, 
in, in this in this space, uh, it's it's all about uh, not about the feature set, not about uh, uh, the way it uh, looks, but the way it works. And the way Nosby works, it's um, it's inspired by several productivity principles. Uh, it started with getting things done by David Allen and some some other um, productivity principles. And it's like my way of of implementing it. And uh, it's very much focused on what to do next, what to focus next. And as you know, right now with so many things coming coming up to us. Focus is something we really need. So, um, so Nosby is is an app that helps you focus on stuff and helps you divide your work into projects and tasks, and most of all, communicate through tasks. So uh, every task can have comments, and these comments are very robust. So you can comment with everything, with files, with uh, you know, with attachments from different products like Evernote, like Google Docs, like you know everything and this way you can really communicate better with the team or you can communicate better with yourself to make sure that what you want to do like you can get it done so um so nosby is really trying to uh simplify your life uh to a very uh, a very simple uh, to the list even though your life is much more complicated than that and i think this is was this this has been the success of nosby that you know by simplifying your life into a to do list um uh, it it just helps you focus and really get uh, the stuff done that needs to be done okay so thank you for that and uh, one of the reasons i reached out for you i, I was sort of broadly aware of nosby um, and by the way, for anyone watching on Facebook Live, I see we've got a couple of uh, people watching already. If they've got questions uh, for me or particularly for, for Michael, please just post it in the Facebook uh, comments stream and I'll try to, and, and if your questions are really hard to deal with, I'll certainly, certainly pass them on. But I, I heard you being interviewed on Marek uh, Jankowski's uh, podcast. I'm not quite sure how long ago it was, but I listened to the podcast quite recently and I was struck by the idea we're moving from a task manager to a communicator, and it was striking me there's this old, old this old truism in an organisation that a thing isn't done until you've communicated that it's done, and I've heard that from multiple sources, and I so it struck me that going from communication back to task management was an interesting way around. And is that because you you want to be perceived as a as a slack type organization or is that because it's quite a major philosophical change of identity to be a communicator rather than a task manager or or am i wrong no uh, so 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 you're kind of uh, right and kind of wrong so the idea is again uh, as you know as, as i said before uh, nosby the idea of nosby was to simplify your life to a to-do list and now uh, uh, the 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 Nosby for Teams, uh, which we're going to launch very soon, will be a product that will help you simplify communication to tasks. So uh, we we will introduce a concept called task-based communication because what happens on in Slack is that just too many random messages are are popping next to another. So you don't know really what's actionable or what's you know just informative. Um, and what we have found out in Nosby right now is that the moment you structure your life with tasks and comments to these tasks, everything just is just more clear. So uh, we want to make it even more robust. So to really make like a marriage between task manager and communicator. Uh, this way you communicate through tasks. And uh, what it also helps, and we are also promoting this kind of behavior to promote asynchronous communication, which means you don't have to respond right away. Like the moment I send you a comment in a task and I delegate back to you, I can wait for your comment. It's fine. Like I, I don't, I don't, I'm not pressuring you to be uh, on, like on Slack. If you um, turn off Slack for an hour or two hours in a, in a 
just a random small company, uh, you feel left out. You feel you know fear of missing out, and and we don't want that. So we want to like you know take the best from organization and take the best from communication and marry marry these two concepts together. So that's the that's the idea. Yes, I'm, I'm sure you know Piotr Nabielet, who uh, runs the Productivity.pl. Uh, productivity training service uh, for Polish language, and he speaks excellent English. He was on the podcast, and I, I will be posting links in the show notes to all the things we refer to later. So if people okay. are trying to take notes, um, our listeners, you don't have to worry about that. In in the Marek Jankowski podcast, which is in Polish, you talk about the importance of separating out, uh, giving people time to think and to work and not just be disturbed. And Piotr Nabielitz talks about, you know, number one productivity tip is just switch off notifications. The notifications are such a distraction. And then the best management, um, the best management podcast I'm aware of, Manager Tools, talk about you know, if you've got your laptop open in a meeting and you get a notification, it's designed to disturb you. And you know, people, even if you're trying to pay attention, it, you'll, you'll focus on it. So, so not having this idea that you can communicate asynchronously is is a very good idea. And in that in that podcast, you actually set out this different hierarchy of communication styles. And I want to come back to that, but before we go deep into your your product i'm i always try to ask uh, people on the on the show about their entrepreneurial journey that at what stage in their life they decided to start up a business business were the family role models or are your family deeply ashamed of what you're doing and would love it if you had a quote normal job and <laughs> could you talk could you talk about you know when did you first realize in your life that you might you might have a leaning towards business well it, so it was it, it ran in the family. That's 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 true. Because my both uh, parents are very entrepreneurial. Uh, they um, they uh, they are not doing like what they are doing right now has nothing to do with what they studied. Because they've been just trying many things and they've been trying and trying and doing different uh, different um, uh, businesses. And uh, uh, so that was one thing. So I I didn't have I I wasn't worried about that about the perception you know uh, about you know getting a good job. Uh, so that was that was not a problem. Uh, my second thing was that because I was so in love with the concept of computers and laptops uh, in in the early two thousands, I I was thinking you know um, if you know I have this laptop and I can work from anywhere. Why do I? Why do I have to commute to an office? Why do I have to go like, live in this place or the other place where my job is? I can actually work from anywhere. So this was another concept that was, you know, that through the internet, like we can work from anywhere, and and that was something that really uh, inspired me and then guided me later. And uh, and uh, one of the early um, uh, my early ro role models was uh, Simon Grabowski, the, the founder of GetResponse. Uh, because when I saw, I, I knew, I know him personally, and I knew him personally when he started GetResponse. And I, when I saw how he did it, you know, he was one of the key players in email marketing um, from Gdynia, and he was, you know, one of the key players in the US. Uh, I thought, you know, this is amazing. I mean, a guy from from a small town in Poland can uh, can be a key player in the, on the whole US market. So uh, with all that, uh, it, it was always uh, my dream to 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 build something up, and uh, I failed. Um, I, I failed uh, my way forward. So I built several startups before launching Nosby, um, and I failed several times. Uh, and uh, I think the key to my success with Nosby is that 
this was truly a product that changed my life that 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 I really needed uh, so how uh, you call it you know I scratched my own my own itch so when you do that it's just um, uh, easier to keep going because this is still your itch I mean you know whatever happens to you know to you if you have fewer customers more customers or fewer users more users this is still a product that you're going to use and and that's uh, that's why I um um, I, I I just kept going with uh, with Nosby, and that's why uh, the moment that I saw that people are actually paying for it and are using it and they love it and send me love letters, and then I um, I decided you know let's just do that. And uh, and uh, as I told you, after 13 years, uh, I'm everything but but bored with it. I'm I'm actually very excited about the future. And and you said everyone in your company is distributed, and there are obviously some questions to ask about that. But um, where is your home office? Are you in Poland, in Sao Paulo, in Australia? Where are you right now? Uh, so um, so I, I I have two homes. I have uh, I I am privileged to have uh, I have a home in Poland, in Gdynia, and and in Spain. So uh, right now I'm in Spain, but I'm going to be traveling to Poland actually tomorrow. <laughs> so mm -hmm. um, so I'm 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 between <laughs> home offices, and uh, um, I like both places. And um, uh, yeah, I uh, and uh, yeah, that's how I how I how I, how I roll basically. That I I, I I divide my time between Spain and Poland. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you you had uh, entrepreneurial mo role models as a as a child growing up, where and you said and you said your parents destroyed many things. So I'm not sure whether that's what you meant to say because it sounds quite quite dramatic. But what sort of businesses were your were were your your mother and your father in then? Yeah, so um, no, I didn't mean destroy. I mean they they, they were trying different things and they were okay. um, they they were not afraid to try. And they were not afraid to change, and and this is what I, I think the, the most admire about my parents that they they were not afraid to change um, uh, what they were doing. Um, so uh, my mom, for example, she uh, she used to be uh, I mean she she studied to be an architect, and she was an architect for for a decade, and then she realized uh, it's a hard like it's it's not what she really wants to do, and then uh, you know uh, the computers showed up, and and with with help of my fa of my father, she uh, she started um, uh, it, they had this idea to launch a, um, a, a, an accounting office, you know, and they were doing accounting because this was necessary in the in the early nineties because there were new companies. Founded and they need accounting services, and uh, my father realized that with computers he can really automate lots of this and and make it really like digital, uh, which was really new in the 90s. And then um, after that, my mom uh, became an ad agency and an ad executive in in a big company. So like, so she's been doing many things and she's been like reinventing herself and. Um, and my father, you know, after after running an ad, ad agency for twenty years, he's right now my financial officer in, in my company, and he helps me uh, manage the company, and he manages my finances. And uh, for me, I, who more to trust than my own father with with my money? <laughs> so, um, so, so I have him right now on board. Okay, so so. Um... So you were growing up with those different. You could see your parents trying different things. Obviously, that set, uh, uh, is not really important. What what people say, you have to, and what they say is important. But what people do gives a much more powerful message in parenting, in life, in in exactly. work, in private life. So that that's kind of kind of uh, obvious. When did you? Uh, but you were growing up with this, and was it just kind of obvious that it was going to be better to have your own team and lead something yourself rather than 
rather than work for someone else did you ever did you ever consider it because there is you know sometimes in society at large in even in poland in the 1990s i i moved to poland in 91 so i i remember wow. i remember the uh the the conditions of business then and it was pretty like these days polish business seems sort of pretty similar to other countries you know everyone has yeah. regular offices and uses the same technology but back then it was uh, did, were you ever tempted to think I might get it go and work for someone else or was it just completely obvious right from as early as you can remember that you're going to have your own businesses yeah I I I did some internships when I was in in, in college but uh, no I always thought uh, I'm going to run my own uh, thing and uh, and I always wanted to it was my dream and I just didn't care what other people thought and um, and I've had this because uh, um, I, I was studying abroad as well so people were saying you know Michael you speak languages you know you've been studying abroad I'm sure you can get a very good job you know high profile job and all that stuff and because I uh, for me, I cared more about the freedom of doing what I want and and trying what I, and trying and failing. I wasn't attracted by by the money, uh, so uh, so I was you know I thought you know I'm gonna do it on my own. And uh, as I told you, I failed several times, mm -hmm. and maybe had some moments of regrets, uh, like very short moments <laughs> of regrets. But in the end, I um, I just stuck with it, and in the end, it worked. So um, uh, yeah, I. I just run, run, wanted to run things my way, and uh, I think it's again my parents are to blame for that. Uh, <laughs> but but also uh, but also the fact that I felt so much freedom, you know, with the internet, with being able to connect with anyone everywhere, like on the planet. Like we can talk right now. Like you know, I can I can just virtually like you know be working together with people whom I've never seen in my life, and and, and for me this was such an attraction, such a great thing. I mean, I just hired two new developers to our, in our team, and uh, I just had a video conference with them, um, with one, with each of them uh, individually this week and last week. But I still haven't seen them in real life, and we we're going to see each other only in November when we have our reunion. So it's uh, it's it's crazy, but it's it's doable, and you can work like this. And for me, this kind of freedom, setting my own pace, uh, like you know, there was never an option. <laughs> Yes, and, and one comment I'd make that I'm sure many people listening to the, particularly the, the sort of people who listen to this podcast are uh, aware of the fact that this is possible. It's one thing for it to be possible. It's another thing for people to actually do it. And one of the most important pieces of advice you'll get from entrepreneurs from everywhere is you actually have to go out there and do things because, and you are actually doing it. So uh, kudos to you for that. And I, and I, I was looking at your, your LinkedIn profile. You mentioned uh, you were living abroad, and I see Holland and Spain. You read economics, or you studied economics at the University of Gdansk from '88. And so, I'm, I'm just figuring out your age. You must have been born in about 1980. Is that about right? Or born in 79 seven, exactly? Seven, 79. Okay, so you. I just 40. Yeah, so you're a young man. You're a young man. <laughs> you're <laughs> much younger than me, um, and, and doing incredibly well. You also were in Hochschule Straland, which is. Um, is that in what country is that in? It's in Germany. It's in Eastern Germany. That's in Germany and also in Valencia. But the number of languages you speak is quite remarkable because it's somewhere here on your profile. And I've now obviously lost the link. Oh, here we are. You, you write English, German, Japanese, Polish, Russian, and Spanish. Does that mean you can, you know, you can have the conversation we're having now in all those languages? 
Uh, no, not in all of them. Uh, so, um, so with uh, in English, German, and Spanish, no problem. Uh, with uh, with Russian, uh, with a little bit difficulty, but I think I think I can still do a very good conversation. In Japanese, uh, my Japanese is right now very weak because I studied it because I had uh, there was a very uh, a two year or three years where we had lots of customers from Japan in in, in Osby. so I was traveling there several times. So and and I realized that their conversion their conversional uh, English is really poor. So I actually forced myself to learn some Japanese to be able to talk to them. Uh, but now my Japanese is really rustic. So I would have to really <laughs> get back to it. But uh, but I've always also had a passion for languages. My mom uh, was my first English teacher. She started teaching me English when, she, when I was six. And uh, she told me that it's important to learn languages, Michael. And uh, I took it to heart. And uh, yeah, and then when I went to, to study in Germany, um, yeah, I learned German uh, before that. But then in, when you are there, like you're forced to learn very quickly. And the same with Spain. When you go to Spain, uh, your Spanish improves very quickly because people here don't speak any other language much. Yes, I mean, I, I grew up in the United Kingdom and the English uh, or the British uh, is perhaps less bad than it used to be, but we're as a nation quite famous for being bad at languages. And, um, you know, the fact that I speak Polish and German is is reckoned to make me quite quite multilingual by the standards of my exactly. generation. But um, I, I often people ask us why we do the startup community events I'm responsible for in Krakow, like Krakow Enterprise Mondays and uh, the open coffee meeting in English, and I say that the famous Bundeskanzler Willy Brandt from what was then West Germany said, "If you want to, if I want to sell to me, if I want to sell to you, I speak your language, and if you want to sell to me, then müssen Sie Deutsch sprechen." And you know, just, <laughs> and I, it's nice to have. I, I will use you as an example for the future. But not everyone who does business with the Japanese can claim that they they learn Japanese for that for that reason. But that's that's. Uh, that's very, very good. And if you think about the, the, there are two questions we always ask entrepreneurs at different events. One is the, the lessons they learned, and the second is the, the advice. And I would say a student, but I've recently become more and more aware of the fact that there is no age limit these days to going to business. The Ray Kroc, who built the McDonald's empire, yeah. was, was 52 when he, he first met the McDonald's brothers. And uh, the, the last time I checked, McDonald's had revenue of $25 billion. And it was largely Ray Kroc's uh, drive and determination that oh, yeah. built the, built the churn, turn up. So it's not really a younger person starting up. But two questions. What advice would you give someone at the beginning of their entrepreneurial journey? And what are the biggest lessons you've learned so far? Which aren't to say you won't learn new ones in the future, but two quite important questions you've learned from your journey. I mean, I just recently wrote a blog post on my blog uh, on slewinski.com, the, the blog that uh, you're never too old for stuff. And I hate it when people say that, you know, oh, I'm probably too old for that. I'm probably too old for this. And for a fact, it's been proven that, um, yeah, I'm, I am literally too old to become a, an NBA player <laughs> in basketball. Yes, that's true. I'm 40 and I'm, and I'm short. There is no way I'm going to play in the NBA. That's true. But one thing that doesn't get old is our brain. Our brain gets developed uh, until we die. So uh, it's, it's never too late to, to, to do stuff. And, um, uh, and uh, for me, like to start my entrepreneurial journey, I, I can only say what worked for me. And what worked for me, as I said, is scratching my own itch, like being passionate about a problem. 
a problem of not being organized, a problem of being always late. Like these are my, <laughs> I was always late. I was always disorganized. This was my, like my business card. So I built Nosby for that, to cure <laughs> these things in myself. So if you're passionate about a problem, then you'll find a way to solve it. And very often uh, there will be other people who will like your solution too. So like this is like and 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 as I said you know it's never too late. I mean Michał Szafrański, the the famous blogger in Poland, he was um, um, uh, he he he's much older than me and he started his blog uh, right now. I mean right now when I was when he turned forty he started blogging on and then right now he's one of the you know most famous blogger uh, in. Um, in Poland, so it, it's it's really never too late. And uh, the cool thing is that I am doing triathlons. Uh, I'm, a, I'm like a very very amateur triathlete. And uh, my 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 uh, triathlon buddy uh, Nick, he's also British, uh, like yourself. Uh, Nick um, uh, is uh, 23 years older than me, and I always tell him. Nick, I want to be like you when I grow up <laughs> because uh, still I cannot beat him. Like every triathlon we do together, he beats me. <laughs> so, uh, so again, like uh, it's, 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 it's really never too late. And um, when you scratch your own itch, when you are passionate about a problem, uh, you will find a solution and, uh, and the solution might really find the market. And uh, what I also found out is that, um, because I mean, why wh wh I'm saying this, you know, scratching itch problem and whatever, because I tried before different businesses that I thought I thought were lucrative, but I didn't. I wasn't really passionate about them. And and when the the problem is that in every business venture, at some point you will be in trouble. So it's only your perseverance that, is, that helps you get stuff done. So if you're really passionate about it, if you really want to solve this, if you really want to do this, then any roadblock will be just roadblock, but will not mean you know end of life and in my case uh, i remember that in, in my earlier businesses when i when there was a roadblock i was already thinking you know of quitting because it wasn't such a big deal for me like such a passionate thing for me and with nosby it's, it's, it's the other way around with nosby i see roadblocks and i'm like okay another one we're gonna crack it okay so i i, I would post a link to the park run polska a talk at TEDx uh, Kashmir shows uh, many of my listeners. I'm not sure if you're aware. I'm a TEDx organizer, and yeah. we had I, I don't, the, the, one of the founders of uh, Parkrun Polska. I think uh, Jakub Fedorowicz is from from Gdansk. And Parkrun has a very simple idea: it's five kilometers for free forever. So it's not as demanding as the as the. Sorry, I'm just getting a little echo here, which is slowing me down. Parkrun isn't as demanding as a triathlon, but it was when I was coming up to 50 years old uh, that I'm, I'm that which was around three years ago. I thought about my health, and one of the things I decided to do was to start running. And that was my sister is a doctor in London, and she she was doing parkrun. And this idea that you can take on new challenges at any age is important. Also, in our TEDx first TEDx Kashmir had the had the theme of age is no limit, and our oldest speaker was 91 years old Wojciech Narenski wow. who who was on the Anders trail and you know survived imprisonment by the Soviets and the Gulag and fighting in Monte Cassino and became a professor he came back to Poland it was very moving because he he hadn't seen his family since he was arrested in 1941 but uh, when he got to England after six years later he got a letter from Poland where his brother 
I think Janusz um, wrote to him saying that his father and his sister and his brother were alive and his place was in on the banks of the Vistula in Turon, not on the banks of the Thames in the UK. And he was 91 and he had a smile on his face, always positive and in a, in a country which sometimes Poland, we have a reputation for being a little gloomy and depressed. Someone oh, yes. like someone like Naremski is such an inspiration. On the other hand, we had an eight-year-old playing her, not that year, playing her violin on stage. And I think it's never too, it's never too late. It's never, it's never too early. The second, so that's one point is don't, don't look at your age, look about what you want to do now, what you want to do next. And the second was scratch your, your own itch, which is, you know, solve solve the problems that bother you that you you care about. Um, other, if you think about more negative things, so there are a lot of different styles of doing business, and you don't have to look even within Poland or even global example. There are some businesses which may be quite successful in some people's eyes that you don't warm to or you don't like the way they do things. And if I, obviously you may not want to name names, this is going online forever, but but other types of businesses where you think, well, that may be what they want to do, but that's not my way of doing business. So like you disapprove or you dislike the style or the culture. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> for me, uh, for me, um, again, one of the appeal of running my own show is I can do it the way I want to do it. And um, uh, so I had this situation. I remember um, uh, one of our customers uh, was trying to trick us. You know, we had this, uh, it was um, a very, um, like a very well-known bank and it, it, it became our customer. And uh, they uh, their, their IT guy managed to trick our payment system. So they, they paid for a bigger, much bigger plan for, for, for cheap. And uh, we realized that, and we were like, and then we realized what they did, you know, and we fixed the, the the hole. But then we called them, and I called them. I called the CEO of the bank and asked them, you know, uh, I'm sorry, like, um, what you paid for is actually not, you know, what you should be getting. So, um, uh, so, um, uh, so I'm sorry. But we'll, we'll, you know, we'll grant you one additional month, but after that, you have to pay like the the usual price. And, and then I realized that the CEO was completely on board with this trick. And he said, no, 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 um, I will send, like, we will sue you, whatever. And I'm like, sir, the cool thing about running my company is that I can tell you no. So Mr. CEO of a very famous bank, I will, uh, we will keep your account live for another week so you can take your data out. Then we'll close your account. And, we, I, and I have just refunded you all the money. So goodbye and thank you. And this was such a liberating experience that, you know, somebody was trying to do this businessy thing, you know, that you would, you know, negotiate hard and, you know, take my hand and here, ah, and I could just tell them, I take my hand. I'm not fighting with you. I just don't want you in my life. Thank you. I don't need you in my life, you know? And, and um, so that's why, that, that's one of the things I, I, don't want to be involved in this kind of hard negotiation business thingy, you know, that, 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 that people say is a must have part of business life. Uh, the, the, and then that, that, that's, that's one of the good things about running Nosby where we have thousands of customers who pay us just not much. This way, when a customer leaves, it's not a big dent. It's not like we have just one big customer and, and we have to do whatever they, they say. We have really lots of small customers. So even this bank, although they chose a very big plan, they were just one of the customers. So it wasn't a big deal. Uh, but most importantly for me was 
I don't want to be get involved in these kind of things, right? So, um, so I was really happy that I could tell them in your, I mean, in their face. Now I was on the phone, but whatever. Uh, tell them, you know, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I'm not doing this. So, uh, bye. <laughs> so, and if you want to sue me, go sue me. But um, uh, I'm wondering what you're going to sue me for because I just refunded you all the money. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> and so that was really, it was really, uh, really easy. Um, and uh, and then th th that's one thing. And second thing is, you know, uh, you choose the ethics that you stick with. You know, you can you, you you know that life is not black and white, but you choose your grayscale, right? And uh, and for example, I remember I was hiring a, a, a marketing executive for for our company, and one of people candidates, very strong candidate, was a person who before that was working in the tobacco industry. And I just crossed him out. I said, you know, if somebody can sell, uh, if somebody has a conscience to sell, a conscience to sell uh, 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 cigarettes, I don't want them on the team. I don't want some. I, I'm not selling cigarettes. I'm selling an application that helps people get stuff done. I'm 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 selling an application that helps people be better. So <laughs> I don't want a person who is capable of selling things that make you worse. So. Um, Maybe I'm just too judgmental in this sense, but this is again the freedom of running my company the way I want. Yes, and I, I, one of the things I've said: if I had a zloty or a dollar or a euro or a pound every time I said this, I'd have quite a few. That if you're if you're making money and your customers are happy and your team is happy, really, you can do whatever you like. You know, if you're if you're you're keeping the law, your customers are happy, your clients are you're 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 making money and your staff are happy. Really, you know, who can touch you? You're doing what many people can't do. Now, I I do have some feedback or further follow-up questions, but I see one of our viewers, Ashwani Jain, has asked the question: How do you see risk, and where do you draw the line not to take risk when you embark on a a new venture? I'm putting that up on the screen, and I don't I don't know how you. I'll I'll answer that as well, but I'll let you go first, so I've got more time to think. Yeah, so um, so my story is like this. So um, I built Nosby uh, as a weekend project first for myself because I was, I was a freelance marketing guy. I was helping other companies sell their stuff on the internet. And uh, um, because I could do some programming, I built Nosby for myself. I didn't find a tool that I wanted to use. So I, I, I read Getting Things Done by David Allen. I read other books by Stephen Covey. And then I built a, a weekend project Nosby. And I started using it myself, and I was using it myself for quite a while. And then I decided to to improve it and to later launch it as a product. And for the first year, it was my side project. So uh, I would uh, I was on one of the conferences, and I got a badge from this conference. So I switched the badge, and I put on the badge CEO Nosby. So what I would do, I would work uh, from like nine to five or nine to four for my customers, for my you know my freelance gigs. And then after four o'clock, I would take a break and then put my badge CEO Nosby and then work until late evening uh, on, on, on Nosby. And it was for the whole first year. So um, so Nosby was my side project um, after hours uh, for, uh, for, for a whole year until I saw that the uh, income from Nosby was actually exceeding the income I was getting as a freelance guy. And... Uh, the the joy of of working on Nosby was so much better than uh, working on external projects that I started firing my customers and 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 just focusing on 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 Nosby and uh, I hired my first uh, developer and I hired my first developer my first uh, programmer um, only part time 
uh, he was a student, so I could hire him only part-time because I was afraid to, to, to give him too much money because I wasn't still not sure if I'm going to you know, make it. To, and I wanted to be able to, uh, to, to pay him the paycheck every, um, every month. So I hired him half-time. And this was my first employee. And uh, he's been working with me ever since. And now he's our CTO. So, um, uh, so I started really slowly. Uh, there was no really major risk apart from me losing my time or spending my time uh, developing it. And I, uh, I was just, you know, minding the money, minding the, the moment I would start charging for the, for the thing. I, I launched Nosby in February and I started charging for Nosby in May. And when I saw people paying for it, it was additional, you know, additional um, compliment, seeing that people can use their own money. Uh, it's not like saying, Michael, you're doing great, but they actually give you money for that. So then I realized, okay, they, they, this is serious. People are really uh, liking this. Um, so, um, so really, it was a part-time project for more than a year before I, I, I went full-time. So uh, I, I'm not very risky, if you think about it. I'm, I'm just really cautious about this. Yes, I mean, I, I, I can comment on this too, Ashwani, if, if you're watching that I, I, I've made and lost probably quite a lot of money in, and um, all the, all the uh, I, and one question to ask yourself is how much can you afford to lose? Um, as a second question, a very good question is to try and define what success would look like, particularly with respect to clients, that if you're starting any kind of new venture, you have to have an idea of what, what a good client would be. And, uh, you know, a bad client might be someone who, who's very price sensitive, who complains a lot and only buys once. A good client, obviously, it depends on your business model. If you're selling Christmas trees or Christmas cards, it's going to be a once a year thing. But let's assume that it's a business where you can have repeat business, which is always a nice thing to have. Then then you say, well, my ideal my ideal customer might be spending between ten and twenty five thousand euros a month on software, and therefore I can charge five hundred or a thousand will be okay, or whatever you've got a definition. And then then you need to, I would say, you need to figure out how long you can keep going before you get one of those. Because if you can get one of those, then you can immediately think, if I've got one of my target customers, then what? how did I get them? What can I do to get more of those type of people? But if, you, if on the other hand, you, you've got your idea of a target customer and instead of, instead of getting the people you want, you get a random collection of companies that are not or customers who aren't right for you, then you may need to you may need to draw the line. Uh, in some businesses, you do have to take risks. But the one thing that I always say, and I, I have been and still am from time to time an angel investor, is I, uh, people want to show me the product and they want to ask me what I think of the product. And I say routinely, it really doesn't matter what I think and it doesn't matter what it looks like to me. Tell me what the users and clients think about it. And the way to mitigate your risk is to get on the phone, go and see people, talk to people face to face, wherever you can find your potential customers and talk to them about the product and try to persuade them to buy it before it exists. Because if, if, that, if you can do that, if you can find people who are ready to buy it, you, it'll probably be easier to raise money. And also it shows you've got the determination and it can be done. People think it's hard, but it's much less hard than spending your life savings and some money from your brother or your parents and building a product and only then discovering that there's no demand. So I think you can mitigate it. Uh, but you can't. Uh, you can't. There, there is a risk, and you will be risking your time. I, Michael, you could have been. You could have been playing chess, or walking your dog, or or, or reading yeah. your favorite books. It's not that time is free, uh, but you are only alive once. And the thing about time, which people don't spot, which is different to all other commodities, is that you're alive anyway. People say time is money. 
but it's not quite true because your time ticks away second by second, whether you're using it usefully or not, whereas your money will sit there if you don't spend it. So in a way, you don't have the choice of not spending your time. It's only a question of priorities. I, I don't know, maybe I'm, I feel sure, Michael, having read all these time management books and productivity books, you've got a comment to make about time management. So I think we might segue into that. Um, how, how do you, if you give people advice on time management, apart from use Nosby, what else would you tell them? Yeah, I mean, um... One of the most most important things right now, as as we mentioned, is is focus. Is is our focus time and uh, uh, minimize distractions. What we said about you know not using not too many notifications. It's it's really crucial. I mean, if you're using Facebook and you have Facebook notifications on, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> if you want to go to Facebook, go to Facebook. But then when you leave Facebook, don't let the notifications um, disturb you. And um, uh, so so things like that. Uh, and uh, uh, for me, for me right now, uh, it's it's pre-deciding. So pre-deciding on how your week is going to be, um, uh, doing a review so that you know how the week is going to roll out. Because there will be always things that are not that you haven't um, uh, uh, you know accounted for. But if you're ready, if you know like what 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 you want to do, what you want to achieve, what your goals are, it's just easier. Um, so um, uh, the same, you know, the same what I do uh, or what you also kind of mentioned is that. When you're starting a business, is to do things that you're that that are not actually scalable, that you cannot scale. Uh, it's it's also a, a useful advice because, for example, right now, uh, because we're launching a, a very team-oriented product, I'm talking to lots of team um, uh, owners, team members, team managers, and uh, and I have scheduled you know time uh, window uh, windows um, uh, on on Tuesdays and Thursdays where I talk to our customers, talk to other people, and uh, because I have predecided this. Uh, people sign up. I, I talk to them, and I, I, I learn as as much as I can uh, to make sure that, as you mentioned, that uh, our product will be what they actually want to uh, to use. So, uh, really, as you said, you have to take care of your time, and and uh, to do that, you have to decide. You have to decide how you're going to spend it, what you're going to do. Uh, recently, I wrote this article about uh, emailing, like te like texting, so to answer emails very quickly, and. Uh, some people might be put off by my way of responding to emails. There is no best regards, no hello, Richard, you know, none, 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 none of that. It's just a straight message. Uh, but uh, thanks to that, uh, emailing right now is so much fun for me, and uh, people are uh, people are appreciating more that I'm replying quickly than the fact that I'm not replying at all, but I'm just you know taking my time to reply. Right. So. Um, uh, David Allen of Getting Things Done fame, he always said that if you have the same thought twice, then you're not really very, very productive unless it's a nice thought and you want to have it <laughs> twice. But you should actually have one thought, then act on it, and then you're done. Yes, I, I certainly, I mean, there's a couple of lessons to write. One, it, the, I think the most important is prioritization, deciding deciding what's important to you. And the book that saved, it didn't quite save my life, but with my when my first business, uh, Systemic Autocrescovy, that means barcode systems for the, for the non-Polish listeners, uh, was taking off in the 1990s. And I just wasn't managing, you know, with the process of scaling an organization. I was... I, the company was doing fine financially, but I was not doing fine as a human being with, you know, managing people, managing clients. And in those days, it was very hard just to do the basics of, you know, bank transfers, clearing customs, yeah, make, getting a phone line. Everything was hard back in those days in Poland. Um, I read this book called uh, The Ten Secrets of Life and Time Management by a guy called Haram Smith, who 
was responsible for the Franklin Quest time management training yeah. organization, which merged with uh, Stephen Covey's. Uh, yeah. the, they became Covey Franklin later, and he he talked about how he would train new salespeople arriving for one of the big American brokerages, brokerages, which I think was in those days called Merrill Lynch. I think it's still around in business, although I'm not I'm not sure. He said that in in the first morning of training he'd get people to focus on their life goals what was really important to them and some of them would quit like within like within like half a day of focusing on the most important things for the hundred or so new salespeople because it's a big company that take on hundreds of salespeople in batches uh some of his uh friends and contacts saying well what on earth are you doing getting your your clients salespeople to quit during the training and he said that's one of the things they want me for because people are not going to be good at sales if they haven't focused on their long-term priorities and the, the secret was like have a five ten-year plan then you have a year plan then you have a month plan and then you do your daily your daily planning just occasionally glancing over your long-term goals so if your long-term goal is to speak french then that will influence what you do on a daily or weekly or monthly basis if it oh, yeah. stays on the list so you you have to review your long-term plans and in the context uh, your short-term daily and it came down to a daily prioritized task list which is simply it's as simple as having a to-do list and putting it in order is <laughs> it, it's not rocket science it sometimes sounds so simple but so few people do it yeah one of the one of the key books recently that i really like and and i've i've reread several times already is um by Greg, gregory McCune, uh, essentialism um uh, on my blog i've posted several you know notes and 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 information about this book it's really really cool and this concept of essentialism to really like distill your life into what's really essential and choose um you know uh, choose fewer things but really where you make the most impact has been really really eye-opening for me um because uh the only problem the the other problem is that at some point if you uh, have certain kind of success uh, many many new opportunities open up and then you just start uh, losing focus because you want to be helpful to everyone and then at some point you just uh, stop doing what 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 brought you to this place in the first place so uh, essentialism i really recommend it Yes, and I think one thing I'd say to my listeners is that you have to know yourself that I I think that sometimes people make the mistake of assuming that what works for them will work for other people and vice versa. And if someone wants to be like Michael, then listen to what he says. But if you don't want to have me, some people like an office life. They, they like being in an office life and they, they want to meet people every day. Their their home life maybe really sucks and you know they, they would rather be in the office and stuck with their annoying boyfriend or, or terrible parents or whatever it is. So just because it works for one person, think it through. You have to think things through for yourself. But uh, I, I focus is something that I am extremely bad at, but on the other hand, I tend to act through other people. So each of my businesses has its own its own leader, and so I can, apart from the TEDx and the entrepreneurship support stuff, and then it, then the list gets longer <laughs> of the things I do my do myself. I'm always slightly overloaded, but I'm very bad at I'm very bad at I don't call it work life balance. I call it activity inactivity balance. That I I prefer to be active and. For me, I don't know. This isn't for profit work, but it's work of a kind. It's interesting, and I enjoy doing it. And so, I would rather do this than sit in a expensive restaurant being bored, for example. Just to give a, a random example. So we 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 covered the the prioritization and the and the focus, and we covered the the way in which your 
the fact that you're self-employed en enables you to fire your customers. I, that's right. I was going to give an example from the most successful business. I don't run it. I'm connected to Argos Multilingual, which is top 50 in the world in translation. And we have headquarters in Boulder, had a very uh, annoying, quite a big company from America, which was always being very demanding, uh, always constantly asking for discounts and putting things out to tender. And the the CEO just said at some stage, we're not going to bid anymore. And and they, and they were quite annoyed because they were used to being treated very seriously because they were a big company and a big famous brand name in fund fund management. And 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 they kept on emailing. And he he told the IT guys to put a spam filter on any emails from that <laughs> any emails from that company were regarded as spam. And it just like it just went away. And if you're making money, that's another thing. You although you said money is not that important to you, it's very important to have a strong enough personal business model to mean that you can afford to say no because if you can afford to say no you're you're not desperate that means in the in the long run you actually end up making more money because you're not doing doing projects with people who can't afford to pay you at least that's my experience but you've got a freemium model right you don't have to spend money to use exactly. is that is that yeah. correct yeah, yeah, we have. Uh, so when you right now, when you start Nosby, it's a free trial. But then later, you can convert your account to a free account, or you can choose uh, the paying account. And the free account, you already have five projects, which is quite a lot, and unlimited tasks. So you can really like, you know, I, I know people who've been using Nosby for years before they decided to actually upgrade. Um, uh, so, um, so yeah, that's uh, that's a freemium uh, model. But there are enough people who do upgrade <laughs> that <laughs> makes this uh, business sustainable. Um, so, uh, so that's that uh, and um uh, yeah i like what you what you what you said about this uh this this example of how you fired uh, also your customers or how they, this ceo uh, fired uh, their customer um uh, but but it's also uh, on the personal level what i want to say is that the moment you as you said you have enough you have you know enough let's say money success um it's great not to care as much as what people think you know, just do your thing that that you believe is true, because very often we tend to bend to other people's expectations and to other people's um, uh, agendas. And uh, recently I got a very nice email uh, from somebody who read on my blog because on my blog I, I shared my um, uh, I shared uh, on my personal blog. I share lots of things that I just random thoughts. I I share them for myself. I share them for 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 me in the future, um, and, and but also for anyone who's like who 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 you know who wants it. And what I uh, I, I I've been recent, I've been recently sharing some thoughts about uh, my faith, and I got an email uh, saying that uh, uh, you know applauding me for being forthcoming that I am a Catholic, right? Uh, and I I, I was started to think about it. Yeah, um, it's. I didn't know that I needed special courage for that, <laughs> but on the other hand, uh, uh, the fact that I really, if somebody doesn't like that, I don't care. Like I, 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 I do that because this is genuinely me. This is these are genuinely my, my thoughts, and and I can not care about some people who might not like it. You know, uh, as long as I'm not offending anyone, and uh, I'm I'm making sure that I don't do that. Uh, if people feel offended anyway, I can't change how people think. Yes, it's interesting. I mean, it's interesting to hear that from a, a Christian perspective because I, I gave a talk at TEDx Tarnoff recently where I talked about the toothbrush test, where I said that it's very important when you're doing your teeth in the morning to look in the mirror and be happy with your plan for the day. And at the end of the day, assuming you do your teeth twice a day, when you're doing your teeth, look back at the day and say, were you happy with your day? Because other people will come and go, 
but you will always be there. So it's really, which can sound quite selfish, but I, I really believe the route to happiness is to be happy with what you're doing yourself. Because if, if other people change, if you're trying to impress other people, it's not a route to happiness. And you know, maybe what impressed them. And you, if you're if you're content with yourself, probably there will be other people who will be who will be happy with that. I, I wanted to jump on to. So thank you for that comment. And uh, why do you blog? Uh, what's do you feel the ideas you've got? Are ones that uh, need to be shared or is it more like self-expression what, what, what's your motivation because I do the podcast I've got some reasons why I do that which I can share but I'm curious why you why you blog and share your ideas yeah uh, um, uh, it's first of all I, I I like writing and I and, and this helps me it's like my catharsis if I have a thought I like to dive deeper into it I'm I, I, I journal very regularly and this is just for me but uh, but I feel like uh, uh, on the blog I can share something that is like you know my thought for now and then I can refer to it later in the future um, and some 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 blog posts are like are not very useful but usually I try to do something that it's useful it, it um, I'm assuming it would be useful for me as well. So, um, so I, and I, on my blog, I, I choose things that I can share. Um, they are not just too personal, but sometimes I get uh, I get pretty personal. But it's still, uh, I think it's more or less for for me for the future, um, and also for me to refer to. If somebody asks me about something, you know, Michael, uh, why do you use the iPad? I can refer them to a blog post where I can just explain, you know, uh, or Michael, how do you journal? Here's a blog post, how I do it. Uh, it forces me uh, to, uh, like, if I'm thinking about about something, it, the blogging forces me to be more clear about it, to find clarity and to um, uh, and to really uh, practice uh, writing, especially practice writing in English, which is not uh, my uh, mother tongue. So, um, uh, so yeah, these are several just reasons why I do it. And it's and yeah, the third one is just it's just makes me happy and uh, I want to do it. So that's it. <laughs> that's a good reason. I've, I've got it. We were getting towards the end. We've got about another 10 minutes before we get to our, uh, I, 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 I'm sensitive to my listeners that I, I could go on for, for hours and oh, yes, hours, but I, don't, I, but I don't think that's necessarily good for them. And I'm sure you don't have the time either. But what the, one of the arguments I have for doing the podcast is that if I come across someone who seems interesting, I think if I'm going to have an interesting conversation with this person, A, why not share it with a wider audience? And exactly. B, B, the podcast means it's more likely people will say yes, because if I just pinged you out of nowhere and said, hey, I want to take an hour of your time just to chat, I, I feel it gives a certain, it gives me a certain extra sort of superpower to get people's attention. So so I, I feel it's win-win, and it means that I do end up having conversations that I otherwise would never, ever have, which is which is great, great for me. Um, I just wondered yesterday or a couple of days ago in the TEDx, I noticed that MailChimp has cut back on it. There's a thing called the TEDx Organizer Sponsor Marketplace, where different vendors give free licenses to things to TEDx organizers in return for, you know, I, I know it's part of their corporate social responsibility. Have, have you ever considered having Nosby in the, in the, in the TED uh, Sponsor Marketplace? Well, I haven't heard about it. It's the first time I'm hearing about it. I'm hearing about it. So, uh, so uh, just send me more details, and uh, I should be interested. I, I think it could be useful. We, Basecamp makes is their product available, but it's not. That's not for everyone. I'll send you a link afterward. I'll, I'll put a link on the 
uh, in the show notes and I'll send you details. It just, just came to me. Now, I wanted to ask you about how you maintain your corporate culture with your remote office. And probably there's a blog post about this, but it seems to me that one of the you know, I, I always say that face-to-face -face is better than, than, than uh, sorry, phone is better than email and face-to-face uh, -face is better than phone as a rule. But obviously, uh, face to, uh, phone and video conferencing are much cheaper than face-to-face. -face. There's a huge cost advantage to doing what we're doing compared to me jumping on a plane and flying to <laughs> flying to Spain or, or vice versa. But yeah. nonetheless, Nonetheless, in a lot of organizations, people talk about the importance of, of having culture, making sure people really get to know each other. And you, you already mentioned you've onboarded a couple of people and you're going to meet them for the first time in, in November. So how, how do you, what are the key components of making sure that your corporate culture or your company culture is aligned with your values and everyone's on the same page? Yeah, so uh, one thing you mentioned already, the video conferencing is really cool. So uh, we have regular meetings, but as I as I wrote on my blog post about pyramid of communication, meetings are optional. So if we don't have agenda for a meeting, we cancel it. But if we do have an agenda, we do a video meeting. So we make sure that people are on video and, and audio so we can really see them. This way we can connect better. Um, another thing I've been doing recently is uh, uh, regular vlogging but vlogging internally only for the team. So I have 25 subscribers to my vlog because these are all the NOSBE NOSB team members. So nobody else watches this vlog because it's just for internal use. But I vlog every month at least once uh, to make sure that people are on the same page and they know where we're going, what are the you know most important things we're working on right now. Because with a team of 25, um, it's it's hard to keep up with what everybody is doing. So uh, can you just say, can you, for me, a video log is like a video newsletter. So you're just recording to camera instead of writing it. Some companies, they have an internal newsletter where the CEO writes a newsletter to the staff. And what you're doing is you're just recording to camera a, a video. Do you do that with Zoom or with uh, uh, just an iPhone? No, Okay, it's, it's very simple. I just take my iPad, I hit record, and I start talking. And I have points before that, so I, I, I talk a lot. I talk for about 20 minutes, but then I put it in a, in a video editing software and I cut as much as I can to, so that I, when I repeat myself or whatever, um, so to make sure that I get to a, like a 10, 10 minute message. And then I post this on our internal um, website. Uh, this way people can watch me speak for about 10 minutes which is not that much they don't i don't I, I don't waste their time you know listening to me blab for an hour uh, and this way in 10 minutes they can uh, they can and they can watch it anytime they want and in 10 minutes they can really you know know what we're what, what's going on in our company and is, is there a blog post where you list all the tools i noticed you used calendly to calendly to book this uh, book mm -hmm. this call do you have a, a blog post where you have a list of all the tools you use for running your business apart from losby uh, yeah, I'll have to check. I have to check because the, this, you know, I haven't been updating this kind of. I, I have one blog post about it. Uh, I'll send you the link, but uh, I think it's not uh, accurate anymore. So uh, I have to check. Um, I have to check. Okay, so one thing I was asking you about corporate culture. So what, one element is is the the internal vlog. Um, what else do you do? That, that so, surely that's uh, that, and video conferencing. That's the second thing. Yeah, yeah, but uh, of course, what we do is uh, twice a year we meet. So uh, we call it NOSB reunion, and uh, I talk about it on uh, also on the blog how we run the uh, reunion. The idea is this: uh, we meet uh, on a Monday uh, afternoon in a place uh, where we get a hotel uh, with conference room, like the whole thing paid by the company, and we meet on uh, on a Monday um, evening, 
And we spent Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, and Thursday there. And on Friday morning, we're all heading off back to our homes. So we spent the whole work week together in one place, in one physical space. And we don't uh, we we don't work work much. We discuss. We have fun. Uh, we do things. We go out. We eat. We drink. Like we just uh, just hang out for uh, for a week. So uh, and we do it twice a year. And uh, uh, now we are doing it in November. And then probably around April or March, we'll have another one in the spring. So um, this way, the team gets to meet. And this way, uh, also, uh, you know, our our uh, families know that they have us at home for 50 weeks of the of the year. But two weeks, uh, we are uh, going to be away. And uh, but this really helps like bond the team, uh, put uh, really get to know each other and put uh, some more you know, behind the avatar that you're normally working with. So uh, I think it's a, it's a very cool thing. And do you have like a, I imagine the answer is yes, but do you have like a playbook or a, a, the way of the Nosby way or a new employee onboarding process? Like is there a place, because sometimes, you know, I, I recently talked to the the leader of Cambridge University Entrepreneurs and she was, uh, who were collaborating with on an entrepreneurship support project. And she said that the, the handover process was, here's a Google Drive. <laughs> and, you know, she, and, and, you know, I feel that in a lot of organizations, you know, that's reckoned to be quite advanced. And I'm sure that listening to you, the way you think and work, there's more than that. But do you have a well-defined onboarding process for a new person? Oh yes. Uh, so when we hire, uh, so we 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 um, subscribe to this philosophy of hiring slow, firing fast. So uh, so the idea is that we hire pretty slow. We have a whole um, uh, hiring process. You know, there are several interviews, uh, and uh, and at the end of the the hiring uh, process, somebody from our team meets this person in person and invites them for lunch uh, or coffee. Um, this way, we we get we get to know this the person is really a culture fit. I mean, from what we can judge. Uh, but then, when when they start working with us, we have a series of, of documents that they have to um, that they have to read. Uh, we have a person who's uh, you know helping them in the first weeks, um, guiding them through everything. Uh, and uh, yeah, we have the whole we have the whole thing. We have the whole thing. And actually, right now, uh... the center of innovation is here, and you know this is part of the message of Project Kashmir of this whole podcast that there's something happening here which is beyond just good value for money. Like I said, having the vision is great, but the key is these concrete initiatives that drive it at the ground level. I think for all of those people who are really, they do extremely well with very limited resources and we can take advantage of the really low costs here. You know, Poland is the land of opportunity and I, and I like to say the East is the new West because you always used to go West in history to find more adventure and danger and prove yourself. There are some good things beginning to happen here in Krakow, but we've got a very long way to go. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, good night, Project Kazimierz listeners and Facebook Live audience. We have on the show today a very special guest, Michael Slivinski, uh, the CEO and founder of Nosby. Um, rather than me trying to introduce you, Michael, as I would based on reading lots of content about you, could you do that for our audience and while I'm while you're doing that, I'll be sharing this across different social media platforms. Uh, but bear in mind that some of our listeners might be in countries as far flung as Vietnam or or South Africa, and therefore don't have any point of reference. So just uh, as you would if you met someone in a bar and they ask that question, uh, so who are you and what do you do? 
Yeah. So I'm um, Michael uh, and uh, I'm a founder of or, or a creator of a to-do app for teams to make it very short. Um, so Nosby, Nosby is, is my product and Nosby is something that I built for myself to get organized uh, way back when, so almost 13 years ago. And now um, it's been used by more than half a million users all over the world. Uh, we have customers from, from, like, from literally every country uh, on the planet. So, and the cool thing is that, you know, I built something for myself uh, and apparently there are many more Michaels like me who want to work the same way. Um, and this is uh, how Nasby has become successful. And apart from that, I, well, I run the company, so uh, I've built the team. It was a one-man shop when it started, but now we have 25 people uh, uh, all working remotely. We all work from our homes. This is my home office. There is nobody else from our team here. And, um, and uh, we've been doing this you know, since the, ever since the beginning. And, uh, and this is how we roll. And now uh, we're working on the next version of our, of our app. Uh, and uh, yeah. And after 13 years of almost 13 years of doing it, uh, I'm not bored. I feel like there's so much more to do there and uh, I'm excited about the future and I feel like I'm just getting started. Okay, before I uh, go to a bit of your background and your, your prior life before you started the organization, could you explain what Nosby does and maybe give a brief point of reference compared to other what you might call uh, project productivity tools or project management tools like, I don't know, Basecamp or uh, there are so many of them. Obviously, you're doing something right because you've got users and customers, but what, what's Nosby for and how is it different from the competition? So uh, in, in this in this space, uh, it's it's all about, uh, not about the feature set, not about uh, uh, the way it uh, looks, but the way it works. And the way Nosby works, it's, um, it's inspired by several productivity principles. Uh, it started with getting things done by David Allen and some, some other um, productivity principles. And it's like my way of, of implementing it. And uh, it's very much focused on what to do next, what to focus next. And as you know, right now with so many things coming coming up to us, Focus is something we really need. So, um, so Nosby is is an app that helps you focus on stuff and helps you divide your work into projects and tasks, and most of all, communicate through tasks. So uh, every task can have comments, and these comments are very robust. So you can comment with everything, with files, with uh, you know, with attachments from different products like Evernote, like Google Docs, like you know everything and this way you can really communicate better with the team or you can communicate better with yourself to make sure that what you want to do like you can get it done so um so nosby is really trying to uh simplify your life uh to a very uh, a very simple uh, to-do list even though your life is much more complicated than that and i think this is was this this has been the success of nosby that you know by simplifying your life into a to do list um uh, it it just helps you focus and really get uh, the stuff done that needs to be done okay so thank you for that and uh, one of the reasons i reached out for you I, I was sort of broadly aware of nosby um, and by the way, for anyone watching on Facebook Live, I see we've got a couple of uh, people watching already. If they've got questions uh, for me or particularly for, for Michael, please just post it in the Facebook uh, comments stream and I'll try to, unless your questions are really hard to deal with, I'll certainly, certainly pass them on. But I, I heard you being interviewed on Marek uh, Jankowski's uh, podcast. I'm not quite sure how long ago it was, but I listened to the podcast quite recently and I was struck by the idea we're moving from a task manager to a communicator, and it was striking me there's this old, old this old truism in an organisation that 
a thing isn't done until you've communicated that it's done. And I've heard that from multiple sources. And I so it struck me that going from communication back to task management was an interesting way around. And is that because you you want to be perceived as a as a slack type organization, or is that because it's quite a major philosophical change of identity to be a communicator rather than a task manager, or or am I wrong? No, uh, so 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 you're kind of uh, right and kind of wrong. So the idea is again, uh, as you know, as, as I said before, uh, Nosby. The idea of Nosby was to simplify your life to a to-do list, and now. Uh, uh, the 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 Nosby for Teams, uh, which we're going to launch very soon, will be a product that will help you simplify communication to tasks. So uh, we we will introduce a concept called task-based communication because what happens on in Slack is that just too many random messages are are popping next to another. So you don't know really what's actionable or what's you know just informative. Um, and what we have found out in Nosby right now is that the moment you structure your life with tasks and comments to these tasks, everything just is just more clear. So uh, we want to make it even more robust. So to really make like a marriage between task manager and communicator. Uh, this way you communicate through tasks. And uh, what it also helps, and we are also promoting this kind of behavior to promote asynchronous communication, which means you don't have to respond right away. Like the moment I send you a comment in a task and I delegate task to you, I can wait for your comment. It's fine. Like I, I don't, I don't, I'm not pressuring you to be uh, on, like on Slack. If you um, turn off Slack for an hour or two hours in a, in a, just a random small company, uh, you feel left out. You feel, you know, fear of missing out, and and we don't want that. So we want to, like, you know, take the best from organization and take the best from communication and marry marry these two concepts together. So that's the that's the idea. Yes, is, I'm, I'm sure you know Piotr Nabielets, who uh, runs the Productivity.pl uh, productivity training service uh, for Polish language, and he speaks excellent English. He was on the podcast, and I, I will be posting links in the show notes to all the things we refer to later. So if people okay. are trying to take notes, um, our listeners, you don't have to worry about that. In in the Marek Jankowski podcast, which is in Polish, you talk about the importance of separating out, uh, giving people time to think and to work and not just be disturbed. And Piotr Nabilets talks about, you know, number one productivity tip is just switch off notifications. The notifications are such a distraction. And then the best management, um, the best management pro podcast I'm aware of, Manager Tools, talk about, you know, if you've got your laptop open in a meeting and you get a notification, it's designed to disturb you. And, you know, people, even if you're trying to pay attention, it, you'll, you'll focus on it. So, so not having this idea that you can communicate asynchronously is is a very good idea. And in that in that podcast, you actually set out this different hierarchy of communication styles. And I want to come back to that, but before we go deep into your your product, I'm I always try to ask uh, people on the on the show about their entrepreneurial journey, that at what stage in their life they decided to start up a business, business were the family role models or are your family deeply ashamed of what you're doing and would love it if you had a, quote, normal job. And <laughs> could, you talk, could you talk about, you know, when did you first realize in your life that you might, you might have a leaning towards business? Well, it, it, so it, was, it, it ran in the family. That's, that's, that's true because my both uh, parents are very entrepreneurial. Uh, they... Um, they uh, they're 
not doing like what they are doing right now has nothing to do with what they studied because they've been just trying many things and they've been trying and trying and doing different uh, different um, uh, businesses and uh, uh, so that was one thing so I, I didn't have I, I wasn't worried about that about the perception you know uh, about you know getting a good job uh, so that was that was not a problem uh, my second thing was that because I was so in love with the concept of computers and laptops uh, in in early two thousands, I I was thinking, you know, um, if you know I have this laptop and I can work from anywhere, why do I why do I have to commute to an office? Why do I have to go like, live in this place or the other place where my job is? I can actually work from anywhere. So this was another concept that was you know that through the internet, like we can work from anywhere. And and that was something that really uh, inspired me and and guided me later. And uh, and uh, one of the early um, uh, my early ro role models was uh, Simon Grabowski, the the founder of GetResponse. Uh, because when I saw, I, I knew I know him personally, and I knew him personally when he started GetResponse. And I when I saw how he did it, you know, he was one of the key players in email marketing um, from Gdynia, and he was you know one of the key players in the U.S. Uh, I thought you know this is amazing. I mean, a guy from from a small town in Poland can uh, can be a key player in the, on the whole U.S. market. So uh, with all that, uh, it. It was always uh, my dream to 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 build something up, and uh, I failed. Um, I, I failed uh, my way forward. So I built several startups before launching Nosby, um, and I failed several times. Uh, and uh, I think the key to my success with Nosby is that this was truly a product that changed my life. That 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 I really needed. Uh, so uh, it, you call it, you know, I scratched my own my own itch. So when you do that, it's just um, uh, easier to keep going because this is still your itch. I mean, you know, whatever happens to you know to you, if you have fewer customers, more customers, or fewer users, more users, this is still a product that you're going to use. And and that's uh, that's why I um, um, I, I I just kept going with uh, with Nosby, and that's why uh, the moment that I saw that people are actually paying for it and are using it and they love it and send me love letters and then i um, i decided you know let's just do that and uh, and uh, as i told you after 13 years uh, i'm everything but but bored with it i'm i'm actually very excited about the future and and you said everyone in your company is distributed and there are obviously some questions to ask about that but um where is your home office are you in poland in sao paulo in australia where are you right now uh, so um so I, I I have two homes I have uh, I I am privileged to that uh, I have a home in Poland in Gdynia and and in Spain so uh, right now I'm in Spain but I'm going to be traveling to Poland actually tomorrow <laughs> so mm -hmm. um so I'm 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 between <laughs> home offices and uh, um I like both places and uh, yeah I uh, and uh, yeah that's how I work, how I how I, how I roll basically that I I I I divide my time between Spain and Poland mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you you had uh, entrepreneurial mo role models as a as a child growing up, where and you said and you said your parents destroyed many things. I'm not sure whether that's what you meant to say because it sounds quite quite dramatic. But what sort of businesses were your were were your your mother and your father in then? Yeah, so um, no, I didn't mean destroy. I mean that they, they were trying different things and they were okay. um, they they were not afraid to try. And they were not afraid to change, and and this is what I, I think the most admire about my parents that they they were not afraid to change um, uh, what they were doing. Um, 
so uh, my mom, for example, she uh, she used to be. Uh, I mean, she she studied to be an architect, and she was an architect for for a decade, and then she realized uh, it's a hard like it's it's not what she really wants to do. And then, uh, you know, uh, the computers showed up, and and with with help of my fa of my father, she uh, she started. Um, uh, it, it, they had this idea to launch a, um, a, a an accounting office, you know, and they were doing accounting because this was necessary in the ninth in the early nineties because there were new companies. Uh, found it and they need accounting services and uh, my father realized that with computers he can really automate lots of this and and make it really like digital uh, which was really new in the 90s and then um, after that my mom uh, became an ad agency and an ad executive in, in a big company so like so she's been doing many things and she's been like reinventing herself and um and my father, you know, after after running an ad, ad agency for twenty years, he's right now my financial officer in, in my company, and he helps me uh, manage the company, and he manages my finances. And uh, for me, I, who more to trust than my own father with with my money? <laughs> so, um, so, so I have him right now on board. Okay, so so um, so you were growing up with those different. You could see your parents trying different things. Obviously, that set, uh, uh, is not really important. What what people say you have to and what they say is important but what people do gives a much more powerful message in parenting in life in in exactly. work in private life so that that's kind of kind of uh, obvious when did you uh, but you were growing up with this and was it just kind of obvious that it was going to be better to have your own team and lead something yourself rather than rather than work for someone else did you ever did you ever consider it because there is you know sometimes in society at large in even in poland in the 1990s i i moved to poland in 91 so i i remember wow. i remember the uh the the conditions of business then and it was pretty like these days polish business seems sort of pretty similar to other countries you know everyone has yeah. regular offices and uses the same technology but back then it was uh, did, were you ever tempted to think I might get it go and work for someone else or was it just completely obvious right from as early as you can remember that you're going to have your own businesses yeah I I I did some internships when I was in in, in college but uh, no I always thought uh, I'm going to run my own uh, thing and uh, and I always wanted to it was my dream and I just didn't care what other people thought and um, and I've had this because uh, um, I, I was studying abroad as well so people were saying you know Michael you speak languages you know you've been studying abroad I'm sure you can get a very good job you know high profile job and all that stuff and because I uh, for me, I cared more about the freedom of doing what I want and and trying what I and trying and failing. I wasn't attracted by by the money, uh, so uh, so I was you know I thought you know I'm gonna do it on my own. And uh, as I told you, I failed several times, mm -hmm. and maybe had some moments of regrets, uh, like very short moments <laughs> of regrets. But in the end, I um, I just stuck with it, and in the end, it worked. So um, uh, yeah, I. I just run, run, wanted to run things my way, and uh, I think it's again my parents are to blame for that. Uh, <laughs> but but also uh, but also the fact that I felt so much freedom, you know, with the internet, with being able to connect with anyone everywhere, like on the planet. Like we can talk right now. Like you know, I can I can just virtually like you know be working together with people whom I've never seen in my life, and and for me this was such an attraction, such a great thing. I mean, I just hired two new developers to our, in our team, and 
uh, I just had a video conference with them, um, with one, with each of them uh, individually this week and last week. But I still haven't seen them in real life, and we we're gonna see each other only in November when we have our reunion. So it's uh, it's it's crazy, but it's it's doable, and you can work like this. And for me, this kind of freedom, setting my own pace, uh, like you know, there was never an option. Yes, and, and one comment I'd make that I'm sure many people listening to the, particularly the, the sort of people who listen to this podcast are uh, aware of the fact that this is possible. It's one thing for it to be possible. It's another thing for people to actually do it. And one of the most important pieces of advice you'll get from entrepreneurs from everywhere is you actually have to go out there and do things because, and you are actually doing it. So uh, kudos to you for that. And I, and I, I was looking at your, your LinkedIn profile. You mentioned uh, you were living abroad, and I see Holland and Spain. You read economics, or you studied economics at the University of Gdansk from '88. And so, I'm, I'm just figuring out your age. You must have been born in about 1980. Is that about right? Or born in 79 exactly? 79. Okay, so you. Yeah, so you're a young man. You're a young man. You're much younger than me, um, and, and doing incredibly well. You also were in Hochschule Straland, which is. Um, is that in what country is that in? It's in Germany. Eastern Germany. That's in Germany and also in Valencia. But the number of languages you speak is quite remarkable because it's somewhere here on your profile. And I've now obviously lost the link. Oh, here we are. You, you write English, German, Japanese, Polish, Russian, and Spanish. Does that mean you can, you know, you can have the conversation we're having now in all those languages? Uh, no, uh, not in all of them. Uh, so, um, so with uh, in English, German, and Spanish, no problem. Uh, with uh, with Russian, uh, with a little bit of difficulty, but I think I think I can still do a very good conversation. In Japanese, uh, my Japanese is right now very weak because I studied it because I had uh, there was a very uh, a two year or three years where we had lots of customers from Japan in in, in Osby. So I was traveling there several times. So and and I realized that their conversion their conversational uh, English is really. So I actually forced myself to learn some Japanese to be able to talk to them. Uh, but now my Japanese is really rustic. So I would have to really <laughs> get back to it. But uh, but I've always also had a passion for languages. My mom uh, was my first English teacher. She started teaching me English when, she, when I was six. And uh, she told me that it's important to learn languages, Michael. And uh, I took it to heart, and uh, yeah. And then when I went to to study in Germany, um, yeah, I learned German uh, before that. But then in, when you are there, like you're forced to learn very quickly. And the same with Spain. When you go to Spain, uh, your Spanish improves very quickly because people here don't speak any other language much. Yes, I mean, I, I grew up in the United Kingdom, and the English uh, or the British is perhaps less bad than it used to be, but we're as a nation quite famous for being bad at languages. And um, you know, the fact that I speak Polish and German is is reckoned to make me quite quite multilingual by the standards of my exactly. generation. But um, I, I often people ask us why we do the startup community events I'm responsible for in Krakow, like Krakow Enterprise Mondays and uh, the Open Coffee Meeting in. English, and I say that the famous Bundeskanzler Willy Brandt from what was then West Germany said, "If you want to, if I want to sell to me, if I want to sell to you, I speak your language, and if you want to sell to me, then müssen Sie Deutsch sprechen." And you know, this, <laughs> and I, it's nice to have. I, I will use you as an example for the future that not everyone who does business with the Japanese can claim that they they learn Japanese for that for that reason. But that's that's. Uh, that's very, very good. And if you think about the, the, there are two questions we always ask entrepreneurs at different events. One is the, the lessons they learned, and the second is the, the advice. And I would say a student, but I've, 
recently become more and more aware of the fact that there is no age limit these days to going to business. The Ray Kroc, who built the McDonald's empire, yeah. was, was 52 when he, he first met the McDonald's brothers. And uh, the, the last time I checked, McDonald's had revenue of $25 billion. And it was largely Ray Kroc's uh, drive and determination that oh, yeah. built the, built the churn, turn up. So it's not really a younger person starting up. But two questions. What advice would you give someone at the beginning of their entrepreneurial journey? And what are the biggest lessons you've learned so far, which aren't to say you won't learn new ones in the future, but two quite important questions you've learned from your journey? I mean, I just recently wrote a blog post on my blog uh, on Slewinski.com, the, the blog that uh, you're never too old for stuff. And I hate it when people say that, you know, oh, I'm probably too old for that. I'm probably too old for this. And for a fact, it's been proven that, uh, yeah, I'm, I am literally too old to become a, an NBA player <laughs> in basketball. Yes, that's true. I'm 40 and I'm, and I'm short. There is no way I'm going to play in the NBA. That's true. But one thing that doesn't get old is our brain. Our brain gets developed uh, until we die. So uh, it's, it's never too late to, to, to do stuff. And, um, uh, and uh, for me, like to start my entrepreneurial journey, I, I can only say what worked for me. And what worked for me, as I said, is scratching my own itch, like being passionate about a problem. A problem of not being organized, a problem of being always late. Like these are my, <laughs> I was always late. I was always disorganized. This was my, like my uh, business card. So I built Nosby for that, to cure <laughs> these things in myself. So if you're passionate about a the problem, then you'll find a way to solve it. And very often uh, there'll be other people who will like your solution too. So like this is like and 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 and, and as I said you know it's never too late. I mean Michał Szafrański, the the famous blogger in Poland, he was um, um, uh, he he he's much older than me and he started his blog uh, right now. I mean right now when I was when he turned forty he started blogging on and then right now he's one of the you know most famous blogger uh, in. Um, in Poland, so it, it's it's really never too late. And uh, the cool thing is that I am doing triathlons. Uh, I'm, a, I'm like a very very amateur triathlete. And uh, my 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 uh, triathlon buddy uh, Nick, he's also British, uh, like yourself. Uh, Nick um, uh, is uh, 23 years older than me, and mm -hmm. I always tell him. Nick, I want to be like you when I grow up <laughs> because uh, still I cannot beat him. Like every triathlon we do together, he beats me. <laughs> so, uh, so again, like uh, it's, 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 it's really never too late. And um, when you scratch your own itch, when you are passionate about a problem, uh, you will find a solution and, uh, and the solution might really find a market. And uh, what I also found out is that, um, because I mean, wh wh why I'm saying this, you know, scratching itch problem and whatever, because... I tried before different businesses that I thought I thought were lucrative, but I didn't. I wasn't really passionate about them. And and when the the problem is in every business venture, at some point you will be in trouble. So it's only your perseverance that, is, that helps you get stuff done. So if you're really passionate about it, if you really want to solve this, if you really want to do this, then any roadblock will be just roadblock, but will not mean you know end of life and in my case uh, i remember that in, in my earlier businesses when i when there was a roadblock i was already thinking you know of quitting because it wasn't such a big deal for me like such a passionate thing for me and with nosby it's, it's, it's the other way around with nosby i see roadblocks and i'm like okay another one we're gonna crack it okay so i i, I would post a link to the park run polska 
a talk at TEDx uh, Kashmir shows uh, many of my listeners. I'm not sure if you're aware. I'm a TEDx organizer, and yeah. we had I, I don't the, the one of the founders of uh, Park Run Polska. I think uh, Jakub Fedorovich is from from Gdansk. And Park, Park Run has a very simple idea: it's five kilometers for free forever. So it's not as demanding as the as the. Sorry, I'm just getting a little echo here, which is slowing me down. Parkrun isn't as demanding as the triathlon, but it was when I was coming up to 50 years old uh, that I'm, I'm that which was around three years ago. I thought about my health, and one of the things I decided to do was to start running, and that was my sister is a doctor in London, and she she was doing parkrun, and this idea that you can take on new challenges at any age is important. Also, in our TEDx first TEDx Kashmir had the had the theme of age is no limit, and our oldest speaker was 91 years old, Wojciech Narensky, wow. who, who was on the Anders Trail and you know survived imprisonment by the Soviets and the Gulag and fighting in Monte Cassino and became a professor. He came back to Poland. It was very moving because he, he hadn't seen his family since he was arrested in 1941. But uh, when he got to England after six years later, he got a letter from Poland where his brother I think Janusz um, wrote to him saying that his father and his sister and his brother were alive and his place was in on the banks of the Vistula in Turon, not on the banks of the Thames in the UK. And he was 91 and he had a smile on his face, always positive. And in a, in a country which sometimes Poland, we have a reputation for being a little gloomy and depressed. Someone oh, yes. like someone like Naremski is such an inspiration. On the other hand, we had an eight-year-old playing her not that year playing her violin on stage, and I think it's never too, it's never too late. It's never, it's never too early. The second, so that's one point: is don't don't look at your age. Look about what you want to do now, what you want to do next. And the second was scratch your your own itch, which is you know solve solve the problems that bother you that you you care about. Um, other, if you think about more negative things, so there are a lot of different styles of doing business and you don't have to look, even within Poland or even global example, there are some businesses which may be quite successful in some people's eyes that you don't warm to or you don't like the way they do things. And if I, obviously you may not want to name names, this is going online forever, but, but other types of businesses where you think, well, that may be what they want to do, but that's not my way of doing business. So like you disapprove or you dislike the style or the culture? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> for me, uh, for me, um, again, one of the appeal of running my own show is I can do it the way I want to do it. And um, uh, so I had this situation. I remember um, uh, one of our customers uh, was trying to trick us. You know, we had this, uh, it was um, a very, um, like a very well-known bank and it, it, it became our customer. And uh, they, uh, their, their IT guy managed to trick our payment system. So they, they paid for a bigger, much bigger plan for, for, for cheap. And uh, we realized that and we were like, and then we realized what they did, you know, and we fixed the, the, the hole. But then we called them and I called them, I called the CEO of the bank and asked them, you know, uh, I'm sorry, like um, what you paid for is actually not, you know, what you should be getting. So, um, uh, so, um, uh, so I'm sorry, but we'll, we'll, you know, we'll grant you one additional month, but after that you have to pay like the, the usual price. And, and then I realized that the CEO was completely on board with this trick. And he said, no, 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 um, I will send, like, we will sue you, whatever. And I'm like, sir, the cool thing about running my company is that I can tell you no. So Mr. CEO of a very famous bank 
I will, uh, we will keep your account live for another week so you can take your data out. Then we'll close your account and, we, I, and I have just refunded you all the money. So goodbye and thank you. And this was such a liberating experience that, you know, somebody was trying to do this businessy thing, you know, that you would, you know, negotiate hard and, you know, take my hand and here. Ah, and I could just tell them, I take my hand. I'm not fighting with you. I just don't want you in my life. Thank you. I don't need you in my life, you know? And, and um, so that's, why, that, that's one of the things. I, I don't want to be involved in this kind of hard negotiation business thingy, you know, that, 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 that people say is a must have part of business life. Uh, the, the, and then that, that, that's, that's one of the good things about running Nosby where we have thousands of customers who pay us just not much. This way, when a customer leaves, it's not a big dent. It's not like we have just one, big customer and, and we have to do whatever they, they say. We have really lots of small customers. So even this bank, although they chose a very big plan, they were just one of the customers. So it wasn't a big deal. Uh, but most importantly for me was I don't want to get involved in these kind of things. Right. So um, so I was really happy that I could tell them in your I mean, in their face. Now I was on the phone, but whatever. Uh, tell them, you know, I'm sorry, man, <laughs> I'm not doing this. So uh, bye. <laughs> so and if you want to sue me, go sue me. But um, I'm wondering what you're going to sue me for, because I just refunded you all the money. So uh, yeah. <laughs> and so that was really it was really, uh, really easy. Um, and, uh, and and then th th that's one thing. And second thing is, you know, uh, you choose the ethics that you stick with. You know, you can you, you you know that life is not black and white, but you choose your grayscale, right? And uh, and for example, I remember I was hiring a, a, a marketing executive for for our company, and one of the candidates, very strong candidate, was a person who before that was working in the tobacco industry. And I just crossed him out. I said, you know, if somebody can sell, uh, if somebody has a conscience to sell, a conscience to sell uh, 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 cigarettes, I don't want them on the team. I don't want some. I, I'm not selling cigarettes. I'm selling an application that helps people get stuff done. I'm 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 selling an application that helps people be better. So <laughs> I don't want a person who is capable of selling things that make you worse. So. Um, Maybe I'm just too judgmental in this sense, but this is, again, the freedom of running my company the way I want. Yes, and I, I, one of the things I've said, if I had a zloty or a dollar or a euro or a pound every time I said this, I'd have quite a few that if you're, if you're making money and your customers are happy and your team is happy, really, you can do whatever you like. You know, if you're, if you're, you're keeping the law, your customers are happy, your clients are, you're, you're, you're making money and your staff are happy, really, you know, who can touch you? You're doing what many people can't do. Now, I, I do have some feedback or further follow-up questions, but I see one of our viewers, Ashwani Jane, has asked the question, how do you see risk and where do you draw the line not to take risk when you embark on a, a new venture? I'm putting that up on the screen. And I don't, I don't know uh, how you, I'll, I'll answer that as well, but I'll let you go first. So I've got more time to think. Yeah, so um, so my story is like this. So um, I built Nosby uh, as a weekend project first for myself because I was I was a freelance marketing guy. I was helping other companies sell their stuff on the internet, and uh, um, because I could do some programming, I built Nosby for myself. I didn't find a tool that I wanted to use, so I I, I read Getting Things Done by David Allen. I read other books by Stephen Covey, and then I built a, a weekend project Nosby, 
and I started using it myself. And I was using it myself for quite a while. And then I decided to, to improve it and to later launch it as a product. And for the first year, it was my side project. So uh, I would uh, I was on one of the conferences and I got a badge from this conference. So I switched the badge and I put on the badge CEO Nosby. So what I would do, I would work uh, from like nine to five or nine to four for my customers, for my you know my freelance gigs, and then after four o'clock I would take a break and then put my badge CEO Nosby and then work until late evening uh, on 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 Nosby. And it was for the whole first year. So um. So Notby was my side project um, after hours uh, for, uh, for, for a whole year until I saw that the uh, income from Notby was actually exceeding the income I was getting as a freelance guy. And uh, the, the joy of, of working on Notby was so much better than uh, working on external projects that I started firing my customers and, and, and just focusing on, on, on Notby. And uh, I hired my first uh, developer. And I hired my first developer, my first uh, programmer, um, only part-time. Uh, he was a student, so I would hire him only part time because I was afraid to, to to give him too much money because I wasn't still not sure if I'm gonna you know make it, to, and I wanted to be able to uh, to to pay him the paycheck every um every month. So I hired him half time, and this was my first employee, and uh, he's been working with me ever since, and now he's our CTO. So um, uh, so I started really slowly. Uh, there was no really major risk apart from me losing my time or spending my time uh, developing it um i uh, i was just you know minding the money minding the the moment i would start charging for the for the thing i i launched nosby in february and i started charging for nosby in may and when i saw people paying for it it was additional you know additional um compliment seeing that people can use their own money uh, it's not like saying michael you're doing great but they actually give you money for that so then i realized okay they, they, this is serious people are really uh, liking this um so um so really it was a part-time project for more than a year before i i i went full-time so uh i i'm not very risky if you think about it i'm i'm just really cautious about this yes i mean i i i can comment on this too ashwan if, if you're watching that i i i've made and lost probably quite a lot of money and and um all the all the uh I, and one question to ask yourself is how much can you afford to lose? Um, as a second question, a very good question is to try and define what success would look like, particularly with respect to clients. That if you're starting any kind of new venture, you have to have an idea of what what a good client would be. And uh, you know, a bad client might be someone who who's very price sensitive, who complains a lot and only buys once. A good client. Obviously, it depends on your business model. If you're selling Christmas trees or Christmas cards, it's going to be a once a year thing. But let's assume that it's a business where you can have repeat business, which is always a nice thing to have. Then, then you say, well, my ideal, my ideal customer might be spending between ten and twenty-five thousand euros a month on software, and therefore I can charge five hundred or a thousand will be okay, or whatever you've got a definition. And then, then you need to, I would say, you need to figure out how long you can keep going before you get one of those. Because if you can get one of those, then you can immediately think, if I've got one of my target customers, then what? how did I get them? What can I do to get more of those type of people? But if, you, if on the other hand, you, you've got your idea of a target customer and instead of, instead of getting the people you want, you get a random collection of companies that are not or customers who aren't right for you, then you may need to 
you may need to draw the line. Uh, in some businesses, you do have to take risks. But the one thing that I always say, and I, I have been and still am from time to time an angel investor, is I, uh, people want to show me the product and they want to ask me what I think of the product. And I say routinely, it really doesn't matter what I think and it doesn't matter what it looks like to me. Tell me what the users and clients think about it. And the way to mitigate your risk is to get on the phone, go and see people, talk to people face to face, wherever you can find your potential customers and talk to them about the product and try to persuade them to buy it before it exists. Because if, if, that, if you can do that, if you can find people who are ready to buy it, you, it'll probably be easier to raise money. And also it shows you've got the determination and it can be done. People think it's hard, but it's much less hard than spending your life savings and some money from your brother or your parents and building a product and only then discovering that there's no demand. So I think you can mitigate it. Uh, but you can't. Uh, you can't. There, there is a risk, and you will be risking your time. I, Michael, you could have been. You could have been playing chess, or walking your dog, or or, or reading yeah. your favorite books. It's not that time is free, uh, but you are only alive once. And the thing about time, which people don't spot, which is different to all other commodities, is that you're alive anyway. People say time is money, but it's not quite true because your time ticks away second by second, whether you're using it usefully or not, whereas your money will sit there if you don't spend it. So in a way, you don't have the choice of not spending your time. It's only a question of priorities. I, I don't know, maybe I'm, I feel sure, Michael, having read all these time management books and productivity books, you've got a comment to make about time management. So I think we might segue into that. Um, how, how do you, if you give people advice on time management, apart from use Nosby, what else would you tell them? Yeah, I mean, um... One of the most most important things right now, as as we mentioned, is is focus. It's, it's our focus time and uh, uh, minimize distractions. What we said about you know not using not too many notifications. It's it's really crucial. I mean, if you're using Facebook and you have Facebook notifications on, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> if you want to go to Facebook, go to Facebook. But then when you leave Facebook, don't let the notifications um, disturb you. And um, uh, so so things like that. Uh, and. Uh, uh, for me, for me right now, uh, it's it's pre-deciding. So pre-deciding on how your week is gonna be, um, uh, doing a review so that you know how the week is gonna roll out. Because there will be always things that are not that you haven't um, uh, uh, you know accounted for. But if you're ready, if you know like what 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 you want to do, what you want to achieve, what your goals are, it's just easier. Um, so um, uh, the same, you know, the same what I do uh, or what you also kind of mentioned is that. When you're starting a business, is to do things that you're that that are not actually scalable, that you cannot scale. Uh, it's it's also a, a useful advice because, for example, right now, uh, because we're launching a, a very team-oriented product, I'm talking to lots of team um, uh, owners, team members, team managers, and uh, and I have scheduled you know time uh, window uh, windows um, uh, on on Tuesdays and Thursdays where I talk to our customers, talk to other people, and uh, because I have pre-decided this. Uh, people sign up. I, I talk to them, and I, I, I learn as, as much as I can uh, to make sure that, as you mentioned, that uh, our product will be what they actually want to uh, to use. So, uh, really, as you said, you have to take care of your time, and and uh, to do that, you have to decide. You have to decide how you're going to spend it, what you're going to do. Uh, recently, I wrote this article about uh, emailing, like te like texting, so to answer emails very quickly, and. Uh, some people might be put off by my way of responding to emails. There is no best regards, no hello, Richard, you know, none, 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 none of that. It's just a straight message. Uh, but uh, thanks to that, 
uh, emailing right now is so much fun for me and uh, people are uh, people are appreciating more that I'm replying quickly than the fact that I'm not replying at all but I'm just you know taking my time to reply right so um uh, David Allen of getting things done fame he always said that if you have the same thought twice then you're not really very, very productive unless it's a nice thought and you want to have it <laughs> twice but you should actually have one thought then act on it and then you're done yes i, I certainly i mean there's a couple of lessons to write one it, the, i think the most important is prioritization deciding deciding what's important to you and the book that saved it didn't quite save my life but with my when my first business uh systemic autocroscopy that means barcode systems for the for the non-polish listeners uh was taking off in the 1990s and i just wasn't managing you know with the process of scaling an organization i was I, the company was doing fine financially, but I was not doing fine as a human being with, you know, managing people, managing clients. And in those days, it was very hard just to do the basics of, you know, bank transfers, clearing customs, yeah, make, getting a phone line. Everything was hard back in those days in Poland. Um, I read this book called uh, The Ten Secrets of Life and Time Management by a guy called Haram Smith, who was responsible for the Franklin Quest time management training yeah. organization, which merged with uh, Stephen Covey's, uh, yeah. the, they became Covey Franklin later. And he, he talked about how he would train new salespeople arriving for one of the big American brokerages, brokerages, which I think was in those days called Merrill Lynch. I think it's still around in business, although I'm not, I'm not sure. He said that in, in the first, morning of training he'd get people to focus on their life goals what was really important to them and some of them would quit like within like within like half a day of focusing on the most important things for the hundred or so new salespeople because it's a big company that take on hundreds of salespeople in batches uh some of his uh friends and contacts saying well what on earth are you doing getting your your clients salespeople to quit during the training and he said that's one of the things they want me for because people are not going to be good at sales if they haven't focused on their long-term priorities and the, the secret was like have a five ten year plan then you have a year plan then you have a month plan and then you do your daily your daily planning just occasionally glancing over your long-term goals so if your long-term goal is to speak french then that will influence what you do on a daily or weekly or monthly basis if it yeah. stays on the list so you you have to review your long-term plans and in the context uh, your short-term daily and it came down to a daily prioritized task list which is simply it's as simple as having a to-do list and putting it in order is <laughs> it's, it's not rocket science it sometimes sounds so simple but so few people do it yeah one of the one of the key books recently that i really like and and i've i've reread several times already is um by Greg, gregory McKeown, uh, essentialism um uh, on my blog i've posted several you know notes and 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 uh, information about this book it's really really cool and this concept of essentialism to really like distill your life into what's really essential and choose um you know uh, uh choose fewer things but really where you make the most impact has been really really eye-opening for me um because uh the only problem the the other problem is that at some point if you uh, have certain kind of success uh, many many new opportunities open up and then you just start uh, losing focus because you want to be helpful to everyone and then at some point you just uh, stop doing what 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 brought you to this place in the first place so uh, essentialism i really recommend it Yes, and I think one thing I'd say to my listeners is that you have to know yourself that I'm, I 
think that sometimes people make the mistake of assuming that what works for them will work for other people and vice versa. And if someone wants to be like Michael, then listen to what he says. But if you don't want to have, some people like an office life, like they like being in an office life and they, they want to meet people every day. Their, their home life maybe really sucks. And, you know, they, they would rather be in the office and stuck with their annoying boyfriend or, or terrible parents or whatever it is. So just because it works for one person, think it through. You have to think things through for yourself. But uh, I, I focus is something that I am extremely bad at. But on the other hand, I tend to act through other people. So each of my businesses has its own its own leader. And so I can, apart from the TEDx and the entrepreneurship support stuff, and then it, then the list gets longer <laughs> of the things I do my do myself. I'm always slightly overloaded, but I'm very bad at. I'm very bad at, I don't call it work-life balance, I call it activity, inactivity balance, that I, I prefer to be active, and for me, I don't know, this isn't for-profit work, but it's work of a kind, it's interesting, and I enjoy doing it, and so I would rather do this than sit in an expensive restaurant being bored, for example, just to give a, a random example. So we, we, we covered the, the prioritization and the and the focus, and we covered the the way in which your the fact that you're self-employed in, enables you to fire your customers. I, that's right. I was going to give an example from the most successful business. I don't run it. I'm connected to Argos Multilingual, which is top 50 in the world in translation, and we have headquarters in Boulder. Had a very uh, annoying, quite a big company from America, which was always being very demanding, uh, always constantly asking for discounts and putting things out to tender. And the the CEO just said at some stage, we're not going to bid anymore. And and they, and they were quite annoyed because they were used to being tra- treated very seriously because they were a big company and a big famous brand name in fund fund management. And 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 they kept on emailing. And he he told the IT guys to put a spam filter on any emails from that <laughs> any emails from that company were regarded as spam. And it just like it just went away. And if you're making money, that's another thing. You although you said money is not that important to you, it's very important to have a strong enough personal business model to mean that you can afford to say no because if you can afford to say no you're you're not desperate that means in the in the long run you actually end up making more money because you're not doing doing projects for people who can't afford to pay you at least that's my experience but you've got a freemium model right you don't have to spend money to use is that that correct Yeah, yeah, we have. Uh, so when you right now, when you start Nosby, it's a free trial. But then later, you can convert your account to a free account, or you can choose uh, the paying account. And the free account, you already have five projects, which is quite a lot, and unlimited tasks. So you can really like, you know, I, I know people who've been using Nosby for years before they decided to actually upgrade. Um, uh, so, um, so yeah, that's uh, that's a freemium uh, model. But there are enough people who do upgrade <laughs> that <laughs> makes this uh, business sustainable. Um, so, uh, so that's that uh, and um uh, yeah i like what you what you, what you said about this uh, this this example of how you fired uh, also your customers or how they, this ceo uh, fired uh, their customer um uh, but but it's also uh, on the personal level what i want to say is that the moment you as you said you have enough you have you know enough let's say money success um, it's great not to care as much as what people think you know, just do your thing that that you believe is true, because very often we tend to bend to other people's expectations and to other people's um, uh, agendas. And uh, recently I got a very nice email uh, from somebody who read on my blog, because on my blog I, I shared my... Um, 
uh, I shared uh, on my personal blog. I share lots of things that I just random thoughts. I I share them for myself. I share them for 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 me in the future, um, and but also for anyone who's like who 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 who, you know, who wants it. And what I, uh, I I I've been recent, I've been recently sharing some thoughts about uh, my faith, and I got an email uh, saying that uh, uh, you know applauding me for being forthcoming that I am a Catholic, right? Uh, and I I, I was started to think about it. Yeah, um, it's. I didn't know that I needed special courage for that. <laughs> but on the other hand, uh, uh, the fact that I really, if somebody doesn't like that, I don't care. Like I, 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 I do that because this is genuinely me. This is these are genuinely my, my thoughts, and and I can not care about some people who might not like it. You know, uh, as long as I'm not offending anyone, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm making sure that I don't do that. Uh, if people feel offended anyway, I can't change how people think. Yes, it's interesting. I mean, it's interesting to hear that from a, a Christian perspective because I, I gave a talk at TEDx Tarnoff recently where I talked about the toothbrush test, where I said that it's very important when you're doing your teeth in the morning to look in the mirror and be happy with your plan for the day. And at the end of the day, assuming you do your teeth twice a day, when you're doing your teeth, look back at the day and say, were you happy with your day? Because other people will come and go, but you will always be there. So it's really, which can sound quite selfish, but I, I really believe the route to happiness is to be happy with what you're doing yourself. Because if, if other people change, if you're trying to impress other people, it's not a route to happiness. And you know maybe what impressed them. And you, if you're if you're content with yourself, probably there will be other people who will be who will be happy with that. I, I wanted to jump on to. So thank you for that comment. And uh, why do you blog? Uh, what's do you feel the ideas you've got? Are ones that uh, need to be shared or is it more like self-expression what, what, what's your motivation because I do the podcast I've got some reasons why I do that which I can share but I'm curious why you why you blog and share your ideas yeah uh, um, uh, it's first of all I, I I like writing and I and, and this helps me it's like my catharsis if I have a thought I like to dive deeper into it I'm I, I, I journal very regularly and this is just for me but uh, but I feel like uh, uh, on the blog I can share something that is like you know my thought for now and then I can refer to it later in the future um, and some 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 blog posts are like are not very useful but usually I try to do something that it's useful it, it um, I'm assuming it would be useful for me as well. So, um, so I, and I, on my blog, I, I choose things that I can share um, that are not just too personal. But sometimes I get uh, I get pretty personal. But it's still uh, I think it's more or less for for me for the future um, and also for me to refer to. If somebody asks me about something, you know, Michael, uh, why do you use the iPad? I can refer them to a blog post where I can just explain, you know, uh, or Michael, how do you journal? Here's a blog post. How I do it, uh, and it forces me uh, to uh, like if I'm thinking about about something. It, the blogging forces me to be more clear about it, to find clarity, and to um, uh, and to really uh, practice uh, writing, especially practice writing in English, which is not uh, my uh, mother tongue. So, um, uh, so yeah, these are several just reasons why I do it, and it's and yeah, the third one is just it's just makes me happy and uh, I want to do it. So that's it. <laughs> that's a good reason. I've, I've got it. We were getting towards the end. We've got about another 10 minutes before we get to our, 
uh, I, 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 I'm sensitive to my listeners that I, I could go on for for hours and oh, yes, hours, but I don't. But I don't think that's necessarily good for them. And I'm sure you don't have the time either. But what the, one of the arguments I have for doing the podcast is that if I come across someone who seems interesting, I think if I'm going to have an interesting conversation with this person, A, why not share it with a wider audience? And exactly. B, B, the podcast means it's more likely people will say yes, because if I just pinged you out of nowhere and said, hey, I want to take an hour of your time just to chat, I, I feel it gives a certain, it gives me a certain extra sort of superpower to get people's attention. So so I, I feel it's win-win, and it means that I do end up having conversations that I otherwise would never, ever have, which is which is great, great for me. Um, I just wanted yesterday or a couple of days ago in the TEDx, I noticed that MailChimp has cut back on it. There's a thing called the TEDx Organizer Sponsor Marketplace, where different vendors give free licenses to things to TEDx organizers in return for, you know, I, I know it's part of their corporate social responsibility. Have, have you ever considered having Nosby in the, in the, in the TED uh, Sponsor Marketplace? Well, I haven't heard about it. This is the first time I'm hearing about it. I'm hearing about it. So, uh, so uh, just send me more details, and I should be interested. I, I think it could be useful. We, Basecamp makes is their product available, but it's not. That's not for everyone. I'll send you a link afterward. I'll, I'll put a link on the uh, in the show notes, and I'll send you details. It just just came to me. Now, I wanted to ask you about how you maintain your corporate culture with your remote office, and probably there's a blog post about this. But it seems to me that one of the you know, I, I always say that face-to-face -face is better than, than, than uh, sorry, phone is better than email and face-to-face uh, -face is better than phone as a rule. But obviously, uh, face to, uh, phone and video conferencing are much cheaper than face-to-face. -face. There's a huge cost advantage to doing what we're doing compared to me jumping on a plane and flying to, <laughs> flying to Spain or, or vice versa. But yeah. nonetheless, Nonetheless, in a lot of organizations, people talk about the importance of, of having culture, making sure people really get to know each other. And you, you already mentioned you've onboarded a couple of people and you're going to meet them for the first time in, in November. So how, how do you, what are the key components of making sure that your corporate culture or your company culture is aligned with your values and everyone's on the same page? Yeah, so uh, one thing you mentioned already, the video conferencing is really cool. So uh, we have regular meetings, but as I as I wrote on my blog post about pyramid of communication, meetings are optional. So if we don't have agenda for a meeting, we cancel it. But if we do have an agenda, we do a video meeting. So we make sure that people are on video and, and audio so we can really see them. This way we can connect better. Um, another thing I've been doing recently is uh, uh, regular vlogging but vlogging internally only for the team. So I have 25 subscribers to my vlog because these are all the NOSB, NOSB team members. So nobody else watches this vlog because it's just for internal use. But I vlog every month at least once uh, to make sure that people are on the same page and they know where we're going, what are the you know most important things we're working on right now. Because with a team of 25, um, it's it's hard to keep up with what everybody is doing. So uh, can you just say, can you, for me, a video log is like a video newsletter. So you're just recording to camera instead of writing it. Some companies, they have an internal newsletter where the CEO writes a newsletter to the staff. And what you're doing is you're just recording to camera a, a video. Do you do that with Zoom or with uh, uh, just an no, iPhone? Okay, it's, it's very simple. I just take my iPad, I hit record, and I start talking. And I have points before that, so I, I, I talk a lot. I talk for about 20 minutes, but then I put it in, the, in a video editing software and I cut as much as I can 
to so that I when I repeat myself or whatever. Um, so to make sure that I get to a, like a 10, 10 minute message, and then I post this on our internal um, uh, website. Uh, this way, people can watch me speak for about 10 minutes which is not that much they don't i don't I, I, I don't waste their time you know listening to me blab for an hour uh, and this way in 10 minutes they can uh, they can and they can watch it anytime they want and in 10 minutes they can really you know know what we're what, what's going on in our company and is, is there a blog post where you list all the tools i noticed you used calendly to calendly to book this uh, book mm -hmm. this call do you have a, a blog post where you have a list of all the tools you use for running your business apart from mosby uh, yeah, I'll have to check. I have to check because the, this, you know, I haven't been updating this kind of. I, I have one blog post about it. Uh, I'll send you the link, but uh, I think it's not uh, accurate anymore. So uh, I have to check. Um, I have to check. Okay, so one thing I was asking you about corporate culture. So one one element is is the the internal vlog. Um, what else do you do? That, that's so, surely that's uh, that, and video conferencing. That's the second thing. Yeah, yeah, but uh, of course, what we do is uh, twice a year we meet. So uh, we call it Nosby Reunion, and uh, I talk about it on uh, also on the blog how we run the uh, reunion. The idea is this: uh, we meet uh, on a Monday uh, afternoon uh, in a place uh, where we get a hotel uh, with conference room, like the whole thing paid by the company, and we meet on uh, on a Monday um, evening. And we spend Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, and Thursday there. And on Friday morning, we're all heading off back to our homes. So we spend the whole work week together in one place in one physical space and we don't uh, we we don't work work much we discuss we have fun uh, we do things we go out we eat we drink like we just uh, just hang out for uh, for a week so uh, and we do it twice a year and uh, uh, now we are doing it in november and then probably around april or march we'll have another one uh, in the spring so um this way the team gets to meet and this way uh, also uh, you know our our uh, families know that they have us at home for 50 weeks of the of the year but two weeks uh, we are uh, going to be away and uh, but this really helps like bond the team uh, put uh, really get to know each other and put uh, some more you know behind the avatar that you're normally working with so uh, i think it's a, it's a very cool thing and do you have like a? I imagine the answer is yes. But do you have like a playbook or a, a, the way a, the Nosby way or a new employee onboarding process? Like, is there a place? Because sometimes, you know, I, I recently talked to the the leader of Cambridge University Entrepreneurs, and she was uh, who were collaborating with on an entrepreneurship support project, and she said that the, the handover process was here's a Google Drive, <laughs> and then, you know she and, and you know I feel that in a lot of organisations, you know that's reckoned to be quite advanced, and I'm sure that listening to you, the way you think and work, there's more than that. But do you have a well-defined onboarding process for a new person? Oh yes. Uh, so when we hire, uh, so we 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 um, subscribe to this philosophy of hiring slow, firing fast. So uh, so the idea is that we hire pretty slow. We have a whole um, uh, hiring process. You know, there are several interviews, uh, and uh, and at the end of the the hiring uh, process, somebody from our team meets this person in person and invites them for lunch uh, or coffee. Um, this way, we we get we get to know this the person is really a culture fit. I mean, from what we can judge. Um, 
but then when when they start working with us we have a series of, of documents that they have to um that they have to read uh we have a person who's uh, you know helping them in the first weeks um guiding them through everything uh, and uh, yeah we have the whole we have the whole thing we have the whole thing and actually right now uh, uh, i'm uh, working on a on a better process even you know with uh, with more information better structure so this is one of the, one of my challenges uh, right now to make sure that we get to um, have uh, even a better, you know, a better process for for onboarding. But really, uh, in the first uh, two weeks, uh, when somebody's with us, uh, they are not left alone. Uh, they have stuff to read, but they also have already uh, some assignments uh, they can work on, and they have um, uh, people they can interact with uh, via video and via uh, you know chat and and Nosby. Uh, so um, uh, we like to have people start working pretty quickly. Um, and uh, and then from there, you know, uh, build up uh, their momentum. Okay, so I, 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 because I haven't read your blog, I imagine that quite a lot of the issues of the way you organize your work is referenced to stuff you do at Nosby. That if you if you read enough of your content, you'd probably have a pretty good idea of the Nosby ways of doing things. But I, I think that as a you know, if you're short of ideas to blog about different different things like how you run a meeting or how you uh -huh. how you schedule different things these are all very interesting topics for entrepreneurs and anyone who's successful is worth looking at whether or not someone copies you or not so the, the, just a couple more questions before we wrap up and uh, one is like if if thing you're launching a new product now and obviously that shows there's still you're, you're, and you said right at the beginning of uh, this conversation that you're enjoying yourself and so things are obviously quite good if things carry on going the way you want them to go can you envisage like where you will be in five or 10 or 15 or 20 years from now? Is there a sort of, is there a, a, a destination where when you get there, you're going to make a change or could, could, could we meet in 30 years time when, when I'm in my eighties and you're still running a, a bigger scale version of Nosby or, or is it impossible to say? Well, it's hard to say, but, uh, but for now, I don't see myself doing anything else. The way uh, the way I'm doing it is different, and it changes. Like you know, mm -hmm. uh, as I mentioned, I'm I'm doing more sports right now, and I'm doing it also during the workday. So I, this way, I can you know have some sport and then come back to work and, and be more refreshed and better. Also, um, I've uh, started doing sabbaticals. So like last last year, I had a whole month sabbatical, actually six weeks where I wasn't checking on Nosby company at all. So I completely unplugged myself. So uh, I guess uh, in, 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 in future ways, in future years, I'm going to be doing more of that to make sure that I, the company works so well that my input, uh, like lack of my input for a month is not a big deal. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, but I'm still necessary, but I'm not that necessary. So um, I'm, I'm sure that, but um, yeah, I, I think I'm going to be still running this. Uh, it, 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 you know, I, 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 because the problem is I still see how many things we can do better and how many things we can improve. I, I cannot stop seeing that. So, um, and we only have that big of a team and we only have that many hours in a day. So uh, I'm still pretty excited about the future and, and, and I, I'm sure I'll be, you know, it's hard to say for how many years now, but I, I, I don't have any exit strategy for now. I, I want to keep doing what I'm doing. I, I, I keep having fun with that and I keep being excited. So uh, it keeps making, making me happy. So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, have it, and it's this is so important that you know, because you know, maybe Slack could turn up one day and put a large, the dangle a large amount of money in front of you. But if you are enjoying doing Nosby and you've got enough money, you know, having loads of money and no Nosby is not necessarily a route 
to being to being exactly. happier than you are now, right? It's just yeah, exactly, be- exactly. Yeah, I've I've had acquisition offers before in the past, and uh, and they are tempting, and they are uh, nice compliments. You know that people want to you know buy your company. It's nice, uh, but uh, at the end of the day, uh, I think the freedom of running your own show, the freedom of running the way you want it, and. Uh, you know, um, uh, I, I don't have any pressure to be a multi-billionaire whoever. So this is, you know, no problem. Uh, th- th- that's that's why, like, doing what I like, I think it's the most important thing. So um, so to me, as long as I love what I'm doing and uh, and love the way I'm doing it and with people who I'm doing it with, uh, I'm going to keep doing it. I just, just I, I don't know whether you share this information. Can you give a sense of the scale of the company in terms of numbers? Are you in the tens of millions of euros of revenue, or between? I guess it's between one and ten. Just like guessing based on what you've yeah, told me. Yeah, it's between one and ten. Yes. Uh, and and what sort of uh, percentage profitability are you making? Is it because SaaS companies tend to have quite high 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 profitability? Are you in the are you above twenty percent? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Okay, so th- this is why SaaS businesses. There's a friend of mine who's got a SaaS analytics company who I want to introduce you to. He's he's, uh, he's spun off from Base when, or rather, he left Base when uh, when they were acquired by Zendesk. And um, uh, I'll intro- but I don't think that's of interest to our general listeners. Okay, finally, I really appreciate your time. I think a few questions have come up as a result of this, which I'll follow up by email. But is there anything that I haven't asked you at all that? you think it, you would have liked to share with an audience, remembering that most of the people listening are into innovation and entrepreneurship. Well, I think we could carry on for another hour, but that's not my intention. But is there, is there one, other, one or two other things that you think it's important that you'd like to share with the audience? Yeah, I, uh, let, let's balance it, balance our conversation a little bit so that it doesn't, you know, sound or you just, you know, unicorny, snowflakey, and so like a fairy tale. Uh, so, <laughs> so um, uh, one thing, for example, that's been recently for me, like in Nosby, we run a remote company. We have this TGIF, so this concept of Fridays, and on Fridays, people follow, uh, people do, you know, things for their personal development. So we have many things that, we, and we have these reunions. So we do many things really great in our company. But still, uh, uh, you know, people, uh, we have still, as every company, we have uh, people who are leaving the company, uh, leaving the company because they want to, and um, uh, and some people are want to join the company. So um, so recently, I, I've come to terms uh, with this, that, uh, again, um, uh, seeing this, that uh, there will be people who will be leaving my company, even though it's the best place to work. Uh, because people have different motivations, people are on a different stage of their life. They have they, they want different things, and it's fine. And and for me, the first people who are living like this it was a big shock and a big uh, like blow. But then I realized this is how life works. Like people, you know, gonna leave you. It's it's fine. Uh, but then new people will, will will join with you know twice the motivation and twice the the force. So um, so I've come to terms with this fact that uh, also running a company is like a you know it's a it's it's a constant process. And uh, and uh, uh, you know um, yeah it's been it's been quite a lesson to 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 come to terms with that and to realize that you know people will leave but on the other hand new people will come and with uh, and and in the end uh, it, you have to uh, make sure that you're happy with with both outcomes and uh, and that, and then that you that you can also part ways with people uh, on a friendly manner and it's fine it's it's just the way it works but um that's something you know. I wasn't uh, a few years back. I wasn't ready for, and now I understand how it works, and I, I'm actually happy with that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, I, I I I think that 
I got this badly wrong in the early days of my 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 business career in the 1990s that I've I've come to learn how important it is you to aim, you need to aim to manage people so well they don't want to leave but and you have to recognize that there there can always be reasons that there, there should yeah. be things that are more important to you than your your business in fact there's a lovely talk by Mark Hostman, who runs Manager Tools, who asked, a, he does, they do management conferences, and he asked a big audience of middle managers uh, how many of the people uh, in the audience, by show of hands, had people who reported to them. So, of course, they all stuck their hands up. Then he said, so how many of the people who report to you have children? Keep your hand up. And then he asked, how many of you know the names of the children of the people who report to you? And of course, there was a bit of unease in the room. And then he said quite a tough thing. He said, if you don't know the names of the, I said this at InfoShare as well. I borrowed this idea for InfoShare at the keynote I gave there. He said, if you don't know the names of the children of the people who, uh, of the children of the people who report to you, you shouldn't be a manager. But how dare you, how dare you expect them to go beyond the call of duty for the company if you don't know the names of the most important people in their lives? And, and, and then he said, and if you think your company is more important than their children is to them, you're not, only, you're not only unprofessional, you're delusional. And it was very interesting, just this idea that to manage people well, you do have to get to know what, what, what's important to them. And I certainly, I think I've got, I'm not good at that, but I've got better at it than I was. And being open to ideas from the outside is very important. So um, on that note, I would just like to end by thanking you very much. This will turn into a podcast where the different things and notes will be accumulated in the show notes. If, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, what should, what should they do? Well, the, the, the easiest way to find all about me and all links to my blog and everywhere, everywhere else is just to go michaelnosby.com uh, slash Michael. And then you have all the links to, 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 to the places, to my blog, to my social media, to everywhere else. So, um, and, you know, and uh, if you want to write me a message, like, you know, uh, Michael at Nosby.com is my email. So if you to write, uh, I, I reply to every message. Okay. Well, once again, uh, have a safe. You're in Spain now. Have a safe, a safe uh, flight to Poland tomorrow. And if Thank you're you. ever in, if you're ever in Krakow, or you know, we're going to be in the same place. Look me up, and we can actually meet face to face. Thank you very much yeah. for your time. That would be great. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Project Kashmir, brought to you by me, your host, Richard Lucas. If you enjoyed listening, check out additional podcasts on our webpage, projectcashmere.com or on iTunes, where you can also subscribe so you never miss an episode and also leave us a five-star review if you feel like it. We welcome feedback and suggestions of new interviewees, whether as comments on projectcashmere.com or via our page on Facebook. This podcast was produced by Adam Zuber. Thank you again for listening. You know, vision is all great and well, but execution is actually the key. The actual process of meeting those people, working with them, is in itself a huge reward. Interaction between the university and the business high-tech community is absolutely fundamental. Diversity creates a healthy ecosystem, and I think that I'm seeing more and more that diversity. It's not just about individuals, but it's about new individuals, it's about, you know, um, new initiatives. Sometimes they overlap with each other, sometimes they might be cannibalizing each other. But the reality is that you want to have as many as possible, because that accelerates the big picture. We're not going to have everyone in the world here, and in this connected world, we don't need everyone here. But, but the, the, you know, the artists and the designers, the creators, 
perspectives, they're very much part of what, we, what we've got and what we need. So if you're listening again somewhere else in the world and you feel you, you're looking for a place where your, your, your creative juices will run, then, then, then this city is certainly a place where you can find yourself. And I think you can make history in Poland. I think you can be part of something much bigger than you could be a part of in the United States right now, not just from a, you know, going out to San Francisco to make Silicon Valley richer, but, but making a new part of the world um, grow at a much faster rate, be a much bigger part of that community and, and making it wealthy, not just for wealth's sake, but for uh, a purpose, which is to make that country's government stronger,